Free Talk Lives, Live Sunday edition. Coming to you from Key, New Hampshire, it's Mark. And Stephanie. And, uh, you know, we're still doing the internet-only deal. We have yet to be added to the lineup on GCN, but I have heard a little news. The unfortunate part is... My memory's really bad, and <laughs> I don't know when it is. I was actually given a date by uh, Ian, um, and that's he, when you don't say anything at all when you can't remember. The sure, sure. Well, at least I, I, people people can take can glean from this. I might very well have done if I remembered the date. Said something like, "Oh well, I can't tell you when, but it'll yeah. be soon." You know that kind of uh, teaser thing. So this consider this a teaser. I know it's going to happen. I've been given a date. Mm-hmm. Uh, that date may be backed off anyway. I believe that date to be um, in the next in next month, uh, August. I'm certain it's in next month, mm-hmm. and I believe it to be two digits beginning with a one. So I, you know, that's uh, this is this is kind of how my memory works. Does cool. this happen to anybody else? Yeah, it happens to me sometimes okay, too. Okay, that you um, would remember it that way. Well, yeah. you know, I think it's like the 14th i don't know Mm -hmm. so anyway birthdays are that way with me (laughs) you know (laughs) i don't like birthdays Um, (laughs) i don't like having to remember everybody's birthdays and them expecting me (laughs) the celebration of survival you know i mean and i i think there's so many other things that one can celebrate that are so much more important about a person Mm -hmm. i I mean you know you've survived up to what 26 years or something like you're ridiculously uh young for your age and intellect uh, for your intellect, um, you. you know, you just you sound on the radio. Your voice is kind of husky, um, and uh, you, you know, you sound intelligent. So you sound older than you, than you uh, than you are. But you know, so you've survived twenty six years. So have so many morons out there. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that can say the same thing. I mean, you're a pre med student or something. Yeah. Uh, medical, I, yeah, medical. I don't know exactly what where you are. See, I'm not even smart enough to know where you are in the lineup. And no, somebody that's should not celebrate that. Uh, you know, achievement. Um, you know, these are the things that I would like to see celebrated. Birthdays, nah. I, Mm. I, I, I've heard arguments on the other side. It's that it's argument uh, that it's the celebration of how special somebody is mm-hmm. and things like that. But if you've, I, my experience is the people that make the biggest deal about their own birthdays aren't the most special people. <laughs> so you know, I just I just don't like birthdays. Um, you know. I like them better than like the government mandated holidays, right? If I want to celebrate, I want to at least have a choice of yep. when to celebrate. And a birthday is kind of a good excuse. But yes. I agree with you. You have no control over when your birthday is. And what if you want to have a party in the summer, but your birthday is in January? Then what do you do? Indeed. <laughs> it's. Uh, but However, I do. Uh, I believe that cake is a there's always a good excuse for cake. <laughs> Always for cake. Mm. You, you don't. If you're one of the, on the one of these low diet gal or low ca- carb, low carb diet. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, you don't do that cake thing much. Well, there are low carb cakes that you can make. You can use things like coconut flour and almond flour to are they a lot like cardboard. Mimic. No, they're frosting. actually they actually can be really good, and I mean the, okay. the cakes are very buttery and uh, eggy, and they, mm-hmm. they taste very rich and satisfying. Those are good. the good parts of cake, mm-hmm. admittedly. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I had a pancake made by Mandrick, and it was supposedly low carb. Yeah, um, and it was delicious. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. Yeah, I've, I, I'm familiar with those pancakes. Actually, I think Dale was one of the ones, Dale, the Monday night co-host of Free Talk Live, was one of the uh, ones who pioneered the pancake recipe. And they have a lot of heavy cream and eggs and um, butter. And they also have coconut flour. So they're quite nutritious. Why is co- coconut flour low carb? It just, just, just is. Um, kind of it, ha- it has a lot of fiber. And fiber is counted Offsets as a carbohydrate, it. but it's not 
um, it's not really digested. It's not and a so, net carb. Yeah, it's not a net carb. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what that means entirely, but I, you know, it means something. <laughs> and coconut flour also absorbs a lot of liquid, and so it makes them fluffy, so it gives it a good texture. Gotcha. There's a lot of science in baking. Uh, but well, I, it, it is a chemical process, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I um. We probably should go get on to show prep and just uh, just chatting about things that I find interesting. <laughs> but maybe, you know, maybe other people find them interesting, too. You can call in, uh, talk about anything you want to talk about at 603-355-1105. What did I say? You said 355. I, I'm looking at it right here, and I said 355. Huh. 603-435-1105. I was like, did it change? <laughs> I, no, it hasn't changed. Maybe I, I don't know. Either dumb or can't see very well. No, neither one. The, okay. <laughs> but we have some. We of course have done show prep. It's important to, uh, to to prepare for the show. Have you got anything good? Oh yeah, a lot of good stuff. Um, there's a woman who has actually sued Abercrombie and Fitch, a Muslim woman who has sued them for the right to wear a head covering. And last week we actually talked about kind of a similar story where a pastafarian wanted to wear a spaghetti strainer over yep, his head. Yep. In his driver's license photo and, and fought a three-year legal battle with the Austrian government so, for the right to do that. Interestingly, I support the Pastafarian uh, being able to wear anything he wants on his head. If uh, if people can wear silly uh, religious hair, um, you know, things into in their driver's license photos, then the Pastafarian should be able to wear a colander on his head. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> I at the onset of this, um, and until I hear more, I do not support this Muslim woman's quote-unquote right to wear her headgear at Abercrombie and Fitch mm-hmm. because I believe that to be private property and an employer can mandate, as far as I'm concerned, whatever uniform they want. Mm-hmm. And, there and I'm are... glad to see that, you are wear, uh, that you're wearing the uniform of the day that I have prescribed, which is the little pink tutu and the leather chaps. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if anyone's watching the cam, they can see how false that is. <laughs> <laughs> You could rock a pair of chaps, though. Go on. <laughs> Tell me about this lady and her little. Well, I mean, interestingly, there. You know, this is not a, a new issue. I did nope. want to just note that there. You know, there in France there was a thing where they actually banned the wearing of hijabs or the head covering, yep. right? Because they were afraid that it would endanger people's uh, safety. I think. Um, because they, there were beatings or something like that of Muslims. Okay. Some I thought hatred. they had just banned them in driver's license photos. Oh, maybe that's initially. true. Maybe but that's they, true. I, I know that I'd heard another story about the banning of the wearing of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've when it comes to the government, I think the government is supposed to protect and respect people's religion. So therefore, I think that governments should, I mean, you know, if somebody wants to wear a burqa that only shows their freaking eyes, fine. Yeah. It, you know, what's the government got to say about it? Tough. Yeah. Um, you know, this is the, this is the position that the government puts itself in as the servant of all and therefore um, (laughs) they should serve all i you know i don't believe that that's the truth but i believe that since they say that kind of crap that they need to that that we should try to make them stick to it as best we can well and they do have these anti-discrimination laws where they're supposed to enforce companies respecting people's religious diversity and religious freedom and so forth but in this case it clearly conflicts um the wearing of the headscarf by this woman is clearly conflicting with the policy of her employer about yes. dressing at work, and they do have a, a clothing store. I mean, it, it's almost like, you know, there are these examples of, um, uh, what is it, like Hooters or like yeah. some other restaurants that, that specify, well, this, you know, if you gain more than 10 pounds from your original weight when you started the this contract, then you can be fired for that and so forth. And in any other workplace, that would be called discrimination, except that it's relevant to their job and, you know, another uh, less less kind of 
sexist example is um, that I'm a, a medical student and we have, you know, contracts and stuff that say you have to be able-bodied and you have to be able to use your hands in order to be a, a physician, right? Because if you can't, if you can't do certain things, if you can't perform a physical exam, then, you know, even though you're, you're disabled, then maybe that's not uh, compatible with that profession. I worked at a company called j Well, excuse me. I worked for a company that had just switched mm-hmm. from j to Clear Channel. I never actually worked for j Pardon me. Let me make, in full disclosure, <laughs> I did not actually work for j uh, But I did get to see, uh, you know, hear stories and see bits of j around because it was just sort of still around. And one of the things was a contract that specified basically this is a uh, this is a an atmosphere of creative people. Creative people, um, you know, creative and uh, funny, intelligent people that need to have outlets. Sometimes that outlets, those outlets will uh, present themselves in the form of sex jokes that might be considered to some as sexist. Oh wow! Um, you know, <laughs> so you are entering an atmosphere where jokes may be, you know, that basically it's a you're, I'm not allowed to be offended contract. And wow, I as I recall, they did not say they did not mention racist, but they did mention sexist. So, and I'll tell you, the workplace was pretty open, liberal. Liberally, uh, you know, sexual. I, I, I had a, um, you know. I had one of the uh, gals that worked into the worked in the the business office or whatever come into my office, kick the door shut, and say, "Take your clothes off." And she was kidding, <laughs> I think, and um, wow. I didn't actually do it. But I mean, it just kind of, you know, it speaks to how the, what the atmosphere at the office was. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and, 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 and different offices are different ways. I don't yeah. think that that's a terrible thing. Some offices will fire you for that kind of behavior. I had relationships with more than one woman that worked at that radio station. Uh-huh. Uh, I, you know, was I some kind of heel? Nobody thought so. 603-435-1105. Call in and call me a heel. <laughs> On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. It's the live Sunday edition, Free Talk Live. Check out listen.freetalklive.com. We've got live streams there for you. You can listen, uh, you can listen, well, just about anywhere in the world that you can get an internet connection. We, I believe there's a, a, a low bandwidth stream, or at least we used to have a low bandwidth podcast. I'm not the one to ask about these things. We've got live streams, you, the radio, uh, you can listen to us on 109 stations around the nation. Not tonight, unfortunately. Uh, we've got a, yes, yeah. It starts with a one. <laughs> we have a satellite channel, which I guess you could listen to us on tonight. We should be on the satellite channel. Oh, as cool. I understand it, um, which is a free-to-air satellite situation. So if you've got one of these dishes, it's available all across the North American continent. Um, the webcam at cam.freetalklive.com. You can see us and Stephanie and our tutu and chaps. Um, listen lines. We have uh, lines there for you to uh, call in, and you can listen over any any phone you wish. And, um, you know, we 
we try to make the show as available as possible to our listeners. Mm. So it's listen.freetalklive.com. And SACL CAI has a full-orb approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy so that your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com and make sure to do business with businesses that support FTL. You know, um, because this is the non-radio version, and um, we don't have we don't have the normal availability of a call screener like we will when we're on uh, regular shows. I'm going to take calls unscreened. We don't generally try to do this. This is not our practice. But you know, it's just me taking calls, and I can only take them during the break. So that if somebody calls in now, um, they would have to wait all the way through this segment through the break and then whenever I get to them. So I'm just going to take uh, calls unscreened as they come in. And, Fine by you me. Know, I, I, anything could happen here, surprise. folks. surprise. Anything could happen. Hello, you're on live. Free Talk Live. Hello? Yes. Who's this? Hi, um, my name's Ryan. I'm calling from Tampa, Florida. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. What would you like to talk about? Um, I was listening to yesterday's or Saturday's podcast. And, okay. Uh, you guys were talking about cameras. Yes. Mm. And uh, I thought it was a really good topic, but uh, I was just, you guys brought up like vegetarians and if you eat meat or whatever. Yeah. But uh, what about people who like hunting? What about them? Well, I mean, I mean, it's okay to hunt, right? As far as Nobody, I'm concerned. Do we think that's ethical? Well, I, I have to say that um, I think that it's, probably better like it i prefer it aesthetically if somebody eats the meat when they hunt an animal instead of sure. just like leaving it and hunting it for sport i think it's kind of i also kinda... kind of find americans to be fat lazy and stupid and um you know that the fact that they'll they, they believe meat comes in uh styrofoam and uh, <laughs> yes. saran wrap packaging yeah. bothers me so i like the idea of somebody you know mark uh zuckerberg of uh, facebook apparently fame here apparently has decided that this year he is no, eat, going to eat only the meat that he kills with himself hmm. and i think that there's uh you know that's this is a laudable practice if you're uh, I, I i believe that i like the idea of animals living little animal lives better than i like them being in sort of these factory uh you know these food factories that are out there that are oh, these yeah. dark places where they're just sort of run through the mill like they look like i i hate the idea that an animals in prison and then executed yeah. i would prefer it to be quote unquote free and then executed mm-hmm. go ahead well i'm just saying like uh surely not everybody who hunts hunts for uh, to eat their food they do it for game yeah or, or they just hunt for the fun of it for the thrill or whatever mm-hmm. and Nobody makes a stink about that and wants to make that illegal. Well, people make stinks about it. I think that there are lots of there are many people that would like to make it illegal. Sure. Well, and actually, in most places, don't you have to have hunting licenses or tags for certain types of animals? So it is essentially illegal, and you just get permission to do it. Right. Hmm. Well, I, I just thought it was in, the Camara topic was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it's cool stuff. And you know, this whole living being topic thing is very interesting. You know, where does freedom start? At what level? Um, it, you know, and I, I think that there's, I think there's a lot of conversation to be had. And I, do, I'm not going to claim to have all the answers in this area. I, I like to, to, to believe I've got a lot of the answers when it comes to human freedoms. But when you're starting to talk about, uh, you know, fetuses and, um, you know, genetic material and animal-human hybrids. 
these these robots that are sentient, these are areas that are uh, you know, much more gray and murky for me. Mm-hmm. That's it's like uh, I, I often listen to this show, and uh, I believe in the free market and all that stuff. And I just, one of the questions that's always raised is how would the free market handle it? And that's an interesting thing to think about. Would how would the free market handle people who experiment on animals? I, I I think that there's nothing we can do about it. Is frankly what I, I tend to believe is that. Uh, you well, know. there is something we can do, and I think it it already occurs in this world, which is definitely not a free market by any means. But there are some companies and there are some farms that have practices that are disagreeable to certain people, mm-hmm. and oftentimes they're infiltrated and exposed with videos and stuff like yep. that. I'm not saying I like those tactics or anything like that, but um, there is always the. Uh, I don't think one of those tactics. Of, I don't think those tactics are unethical. Uh, it's it seems a little bit dishonest to um, go and apply for a job for a company. Let's say that um, you're you are with PETA and you don't like uh, the farming practices mm-hmm. of a certain farm. Well, you go apply for a job there and then you go in surreptitiously with your video camera. How do you show that the practices of a farm like that are unethical, though? I mean, right. you know, to me, that says that the farm, you know, <laughs> maybe yeah. if a farm wants to keep secrets that badly for I like transparency, um, yeah. you know, transparency is important to me. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and, and people just don't have it in the area of their food, sadly. Yeah, but I mean, you could argue that there are a lot of documentaries coming out nowadays, like Food Inc. and all. And how other. would they get their video if they didn't yeah. <laughs> take some of this stuff? I suppose they could interview former employees, but I, it just seems a little bit disingenuous. Not that it makes what the farm is doing right by any yeah. means, but it just seems a little disingenuous to apply to a place for the specific purpose of getting um, incriminating video footage. Well, to hurt the them. place could provide them no um, no evidence of incriminating footage, right? Yep, like yep. you know, they they could have that. Mm-hmm. Ryan, thanks for the call. All righty. Uh- Call in some other time. Yep. Thanks. Yeah, it's very, it's a very interesting question. And I think when we get to these things that seem like moral gray areas, like the best thing that we can do is be educated about science and try to find out the facts as best we can um, attain them and, and then rely on philosophy to guide us in how we construct our behavior. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I, uh, when it comes to, I don't know how animals are killed, frankly, for slaughtered for, um, you know, meat products. I don't know, but I suspect that it's not going to be pretty no matter how it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it would seem to me that only the pressure of the marketplace would make that the most ethical way of handling the situation. And I think a lot of people do care, as evidenced by the sort of local vor, um, you know, thing that's going, sweeping the nation, the slow food, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the p- people that are so concerned with how their food is produced. For me, I, I don't consider sort of the the organic versus uh, GMO conversation to be that relevant. It's not for me. I'm not against <laughs> that. But I'll tell you what does bother me is that uh, GMO foods, you know, these big um, agro, big agro uh, foods, is they, they have practices that I find unethical. For instance, they get subsidies. They sue that, people for intellectual property. That, uh, yeah. they, they spray uh, fertilizers and pesticides on their, prop, uh, on their uh, crops that then run into the rivers and then like kill plants and animal life in the rivers. Mm-hmm. That's unethical ethical to me. Yeah. And if I've got to buy organic to avoid subsidizing that, I will. Mm-hmm. 603-435-1105. 
You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. Free Talk Lives, live Sunday edition, 603-435-1105. So I just talked to Ian, and uh, I'm not allowed to announce when the date's going to be, but I was close. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Um, and, you know, maybe that maybe, maybe that doesn't even matter to people who are listening on the internet right now. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they, they still get to listen either way. I bet they um, are rooting for the show and are wanting us to be on heard by more ears. I think I've heard that feedback from I, some people. I have heard a great deal of positive feedback about this, this iteration of free talk live. You and I talking, people really enjoy the exchanges between you and I. Um, and I think that that's, you know, I, it, it's heartening. I have had, uh, you know, a negative, uh, uh, you know, feedback, but you know, what are you going to do? Everybody's got, the, there are other shows for other folks. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, one negative out of a lot of positive isn't too bad. No, right? it, it, you know, that's the thing is you've got, it, it, how can you expect anything else? Mm-hmm. How I, can, I welcome criticism, by the way. I mean, if anyone wants to tell us if they think we could improve on something or whatever, I was just asking you right before the show, Mark, if you thought there was anything that we could um, do differently. And I think we're doing well. I, I always I'm think kind of a I, fan of yours. So, you know, <laughs> I, had, I don't really see anything that I haven't seen anything that you can do differently at this point. It's a mutual admiration. Yeah. Uh, well, nice. uh, the, the, the critique, if you want to know what it was, was mm-hmm. I'm boring. Not you, me. So I, like, there's nothing I can what do can about you, that. Yeah, that seems like I'm more boring, like a personal. Then attack. I'm boring, and I, you know, it's it's a personal taste issue, and that I, I certainly there are um, shows out there that I consider boring. And what are you going to say about that? There's mm-hmm. just not much that can be done. Well, I think that I could always stand to improve my ums and ahs, and oh, I've well, been everyone. Yeah, I've definitely been trying to work on that, not just in radio voice land, but in everyday speech, just trying to cut out those filler words. Even more. It's something that everyone can do for their speech, but mm-hmm. I want to just be clear when you listen to listen to major talk radio out there. Listen to Rush Limbaugh. Listen to Sean Hannity. Listen to Glenn Beck, and you'll hear a lot of sort of filler. Uh, I mean, Correct. Rush Limbaugh's famous for it. I mean, it's practically all he does. <laughs> I mean, he stammers all the way through the show. And <laughs> yeah, you kind of wonder if that's really such a turnoff to people. How did it become so popular? <laughs> Indeed. I, you know, people are used to listening to people use filler words. Most folks do that it on the radio. More human. I can it's understand. more common. So if you don't have it, it's I, I think it's better. Mm-hmm. But if you've got it, then that's fine, too. I, I you, you want to minimize it as best you can. It's something to work on, something to think about. But it it's also not anything to really lose sleep over. Sure. Interviews, if you listen to interviews of people who are not radio personalities, then you can hear a lot of it. So yeah. when you think that you do poorly, chances are good you're nothing, nowhere near what is sort of mm-hmm. unacceptable. And at this point, I have listened for ums and ahs so much in my life that 
in fact, I, I can't even remember what a normal conversation's like. So, <laughs> you know, I'm always listening for that. Yeah. It, it's, it, and once, but once you're tuned into it, then what do you do? You can't really, you can't really judge what a normal conversation's like any longer. So we were talking about hijabs. Uh, is that the, what the headgear of, uh, I believe muscle, so. Yeah. Um, I'll look it up to see if I'm correct, but yes, I believe that is the term for it. They refer to it as a headscarf in this article, so maybe that's another alternative that we could call it. Let's just it. go with headscarf. Okay, that that works for me. So the headline is woman, Muslim woman sues Abercrombie, and this is from uh, CBS News, something like that, San Francisco, CNN. A college student is suing Abercrombie and Fitch, saying her civil rights were violated. Hani Khan said she was let go from the company because she refused to take off her headscarf. She believes that it is religious discrimination. Han worked behind the scenes in a Hollister store stockroom for four months. She wore a headscarf called a hijab every day until she was fired for refusing to remove it. So she, this is the, mo- the most interesting part of the article, Mark. We were discussing in the first segment some stuff about, well, employers' discrimination becomes maybe not really discrimination when it's relevant the, the thing that they're judging an employee on is relevant to how they're doing their job so for instance if there's a doctor who can't use their hand or a cert let's say a surgeon who can't use their hands well they're probably not going to be able to do their job very well right and if there's a right i mean that would be you know, is it discrimination to want my brain surgeon to have fingers mm-hmm, right <laughs> yeah and uh well, I don't know now with robotics, maybe that's becoming possible to have anyone who even who people who don't have. Fingers I'd prefer him not um, to manipulate the uh, joystick with his tongue. <laughs> I just I just feel like there's a larger, uh, you know, area of error there. <laughs> I see where you're coming from. Um, but anyway, so we were thinking about this article in the context in the context of this lady who wanted to wear the headscarf working on the floor. And I think many of us have been to these stores in malls where there are very well-dressed sales associates that'll kind of come up to you and say, whoa, would you like a key to the dressing room? Can I help you find anything? Did you find your size correctly? That kind of thing. That's their job, right? Mm -hmm. And part of their job is also to be models for the clothes that they're selling. Right. And so if she wanted, if she wanted to wear a headscarf, but they're trying to sell maybe hats or it doesn't match with the clothing that they're trying to sell, well, that kind of affects her ability to do her job, but that's not the case here. She's actually was was just working in the stock room, so nobody really sees her who is a customer. You know, I I think that it is like there there are policies of employers that I find regrettable. Yeah. And I think that these stories should hit the press. And I think in the absent in a world absent of um you know governments and you know their their politicians that uh, the press love to cover and love to quote as if they're little gods that you would find more of this debate. And I so I'm willing to 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 say to you that I I think that it seems draconian of Hollister or <laughs> Hollister. Abercrombie, mm-hmm. Abercrombie and Fitcher, whomever we're Abercrombie, talking about. I think, is the parent company. It sounds that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To require their stockroom people to wear whatever gear it is they wish them to wear. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. why not? If she's doing her job well, then what? Who cares? If she's doing her job poorly, why point out the scarf? Mm-hmm. Um, like this sounds like a control thing to me. And 
I well, don't like I, that. I suppose there could be the possibility that like maybe their employees wear headsets and it, she couldn't wear the headset because of it or it was covering her ears and she couldn't hear people. I suppose. But that seems kind of like a stretch to me. I, I you know, if if I'd like to hear that mentioned by, the, yeah. you know, and, and that's what good reporting is all about is taking both sides. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I would I would have to hear that. But I would like to know the motivation. Are they bigoted against Muslims specifically or or are they like do they just not want anyone to wear head coverings is it is it a general religious thing or a general head covering thing i, I just want to know more about i think the motivations. if it's your company you can decide what your employees wear as far as headgear because it's a, because it's a relationship mm-hmm. employment employment is a relationship if you work for me um then i get to decide you know how I want that relationship to go in the same way you do. I mean, every single day you come to you know every week you you come to work here. If like let's you know let's let's assume this is an actual employer employee relationship that we have, mm-hmm. and you get to decide whether you want that or not. And um, you know I I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think that not only should the the employer and the employee dictate the relationship or the termination of the relationship. And that's what you've got as the tool. So if you're a valuable enough employee and you want to wear some silly headgear, fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what do I care? But it, it always strikes me as funny how employer employee relationships are supposed to be and are thought of by many people as voluntary relationships. Right. Mm-hmm. That either person can choose to exit for basically any reason that they want. Right. And employees can exit for any reason they want. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I just think that. It's interesting that there are so many policies that say, well, you can't ask these people um, questions when you're when you're trying to hire them. Yep. You can't ask a woman, for instance, if she plans to have children. Uh, you can't really ask someone about their family situation or anything of that nature if you're an employer and you're trying to hire an employee. And so in, in some ways, and you can't terminate employees for certain reasons, right, like religious discrimination and, and uh, gender discrimination and that kind of thing. Sure. So we were talking about this on Prometheus Unchained this morning, and it was an interesting discussion. Um, if if an employee can basically use the government to force an employer to keep that relationship going, should an employer be able to conscript an employee and say, no, come back and work for me, right? That would seem like that was fair. That seems like it's fair. Yeah. Uh, there, there's, a, there's another portion to this that I want to get to um, mm-hmm. when we get back. 603-435-1105. We wouldn't be where we are without our amplifiers. Their $3 per month helps us spread Free Talk Live and gets them access to perks at amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live's live Sunday edition. You can give us a call at 603-435-1105. And while you're listening, you can go check out news.freetalklive.com. There, you get the opportunity to find out everything that's going on with Free Talk Live. You can get on our updates list, which is an email update list. And honestly, it's uh, it's very useful. <laughs> find out all the good stuff about Free Talk Live. Ian doesn't send out too many of them, but you know, maybe once a week or something like that. It's not terrible. Uh, also, Twitter, Facebook, folks that really dig that stuff, you can get involved in, with uh, Free Talk Live on Twitter, Twitter and Facebook. And, you know, these are great opportunities. Also, check out the uh, the Free State Project. We, you and I, Stephanie, are both movers for the Free State Project. We Absolutely. have uh, been here in New Hampshire for, I'm going on, five years. Uh, I mean, you mm-hmm. know, it still seems new to me. 
And it's uh, been more than five years, hasn't it? Because didn't uh, didn't we both move up around the same time? And I know that Labor I moved Day. up in June. Mm-hmm. And mine mine was Labor Day, isn't that August? I thought that was um, I thought it was Memorial Day. No Memorial Day. No, it was not. It was Labor okay. Day. Um, so you know, I'm going on five years. It'll be very. It's very very close. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, speaking of birthdays, we could celebrate that. At least it's an achievement. <laughs> <laughs> God. <laughs> Something that you did and had control over, not just being born. <laughs> yep. If, if you care about liberty, you should look into the Free State Project. Um, it, you can find out more at freestateproject.org. It is a plan to move liberty-loving individuals to one state so they can actually have some kind of effect rather than being spread out all over the place and howling in the wilderness as they do. Freestateproject.org. So uh, we're talking about this uh, this gal or hijab mm-hmm. and uh what abercrombie and fitch thinks about it and uh, as a matter of fact we've got uh, a call in here it's uh from derek and indy derek what do you think hey how you guys doing uh, well i love, i like the sunday show um thank you what i'd like to what i understand is you said she worked at hollister for four months why did it take four months for the problem to arise and it's not like she just started there and I mean, they well, it says it. why didn't they say something earlier? It sounds a little bit like corporate bureaucracy, Derek. It it says it says in this article that the store manager had no problem when she was hired for a stockroom job, but four months later, a district manager yep. and human resources did. So it sounds like some upper people in the chain found out about it somehow, and then somehow they had a problem. Yeah, with and it. this is what I was wanting to actually uh, address: is that companies tend to you know care less about an employee's performance and more about their sort of adherence to rules. As a company gets larger, their set of rules is more important to them than actually functioning. And this is is a detriment to large companies, Mm -hmm. but they – I don't know if I don't know if if it's just a, the nature of large companies. If it has to be that way, I have no idea. But it just does. It seems to be that way. Mm-hmm. Derek. All right. Yeah, I I understand now. I didn't hear that part of the article, but it's either way. It's crap. Yeah, it's. It, <laughs> so, I, mean, I I have to agree. It's a bad reason to have uh, to, to choose well, to fire this girl. Bring it up at all. I mean, just say we don't need you anymore. You're not doing your job, so this is why you're gone. Not. Yep. You know. It's about a headscarf. So. Well, I'm sure what they addressed it with her initially and said, hey, you know, we need you to take that headscarf off. And she's like, no, I will not be taking off my headscarf or whatever. You don't you, know that wh- she has an accent. Whatever your accent is. <laughs> isn't, she, isn't it in France? No, this was in the U.S. This oh, was thank God. California. I was really going to have a heck of a time with a Pakistani <laughs> lady with a French uh, lisp. But I mean, there's no way I could pull that <laughs> off. But... <laughs> Uh, you know, I, what do you do? I mean, it's a big company. This is what happens when you work for big companies. I, I worked for Clear Channel for a while. They wanted me to sign a non-compete about a year after I had been hired. They kept mm-hmm. on sliding the contracts into our boxes. I kept taking it and throwing it in the garbage. Uh, you're not going to sign your non-compete? <laughs> what are you going to do? Fire me? Yeah. I mean, you just named me employee of the month last month. <laughs> I'm not signing this crap. Wow. <laughs> so I, I figured I had them over a barrel, and that was and and they never got me to sign it. And in fact, I went on my way relatively, you know, months afterwards. But mm-hmm. as the case may be. Anything else, Derek? Uh, well- no, that's it. You guys have a great show. Thanks, brother. Thanks. Now, to be clear, there's something else I wanted to discuss about this article. Um, I I think that, you know, if I was this lady's employer or whatever, I, I wouldn't have no problem with her wearing whatever she wanted to work. I mean, honestly, as long as it doesn't 
do something like directly interfere. Like, let's say she wants to listen to music and she has a job where she has to talk to people all day in customer That'd service. Weird, yeah. Then that probably wouldn't be compatible with doing her job. But right. this I is ha- why many small businesses don't have employee manuals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that just, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, my employee manual is you do what the hell I say or <laughs> we, you know, part ways or at least we come to some kind of agreement, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I've been working with a volunteer organization free aid and even we had a little volunteer handbook that just to set out the policies that mm-hmm. we wanted it's a good you know, idea we wanted people to wear their volunteer shirts when they're on call and you yep. know that makes sense so they can be identified sure but anyway getting back to the situation i i don't think if i were her employer i would have any uh a problem with her wearing it and i i wouldn't have a problem with anybody wearing whatever they felt most comfortable in especially if they're working in the stock room but if we do look and go look at the roots of these headscarves and stuff, I do kind of have a, a problem with it on a personal level because oh, I why think, women wear headscarves? In yeah, Muslim I mean, countries? it seems pretty yeah. anti-female to me. I agree. Like, women should be ashamed of their hair. They should hide their. They I should don't hide their appearance. Of it. I think that it's supposed to be that. Uh, well, they, they the do idea, get shamed if they appear in public without it. Without right? it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, so the suggestion is is that uh, women are so alluring, and some of their features are just so sexy that it will drive <laughs> men wild with desire. And yeah, that's uh, a crazy idea. Well, I mean, I, mean, I, I certainly, I, I think that there are certain women's features that do wa- drive men wild with desire. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess that is the justification for wearing things like burkas, which cover everything sure. except the eyes. But it's like. It perpetuates this idea of women as like the evil temptress that are just leading men into sin. And, you know, it's preposterous. They're not doing anything except looking the way that they were born. And Somehow most of the world manages to operate without uh, women having to wear headgear. Yeah. Um, so it seems to me that. You know, that it's kind of a, a ludicrous, outdated sort of medieval practice. Yeah. Um, and I don't support it. Uh, you know, I mean, if somebody wants to wear a headgear, wear a headgear, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think that the very best way to address this is accepting people in a loving and respectful fashion. Mm-hmm. So if she wants to wear the headgear, hey, look, you, fine. Uh, you know, if she's working at my store and it doesn't affect business or whatever. Mm-hmm. Look, you want to wear the headgear. That's cool with me. You don't have to wear the headgear. And. You know, I may mention to her at some point or other, look, you know, you stick out like a sore thumb. You're wearing headgear. You know, I mean, you know, if you or maybe you're you're not going to be shamed if you take that off. If it's uncomfortable for you, mm-hmm. no one's going to mind if you show your hair. You yes, know, we would like to see your hair. We think you think you look fine. You yeah, can take the headgear off. We accept you. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think that those are the best ways. And, and it's it's evidenced, completely evidenced when you start looking at, you know, for one, the integration of cultures all over the world, but specifically the United States, where it's much more of a melting pot and we don't have the uh, the same sort of stifling welfare programs that keep the uh, that keep the populace uh, segregated. When you're talking when when you go to France and you get free welfare immediately, you don't have to integrate for work purposes. But people tend to want to integrate when they work with other people that I think that that work I I'm I'm a big supporter of work. I think it's good for people to do this. It's it's good for their souls, their minds, their um you know, it's culture, everything works better when people work. And I if if you just allow people to 
work, then they'll integrate and they'll they'll attempt to. And within a couple of generations, everything's fine. All these uh, upsets over culture. Well, it's a voluntary relationship. And, you know, sometimes, interestingly enough, sometimes one of people's biggest incentives to learn different languages is so that they can increase their human capital and become better, um, better at business. Right. And yeah, sure. have more voluntary relationships with other people who speak different languages. Or it's more comfortable for them. I mean, you know, you ask somebody who's uh, here in the United States that only speaks Spanish. It's not that they don't want to speak English. Mm-hmm. They try. They're working on it. But it's hard to learn new languages. Especially as an adult. It's difficult. It is. Yeah. It certainly is. Your, your mind's all stiff and doesn't want to learn <laughs> new things. And that's just the way it is. I attempted to learn Spanish in my adulthood. And I, I got to be functional. But it took me quite some time. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, over a course of a couple of years. Muy difícil. <laughs> it, is, it is. And... You know, so and I had people to talk to now that I'm up here in New Hampshire, I have no one to talk to. And, it, you know, it's just. Yeah, become... that's a problem. And actually, I live in a city where there is actually a Mexican restaurant that is run by people from Mexico. Yeah, but it must be it's nice. probably the only one in the whole state <laughs> as far as I know. And that's that's um, disappointing to me. I wish that there were more different people from all over the world here. It's true. You can get a lot of uh, burritos and, and uh, ethnic food of all sorts served by white people in New Hampshire. That's that's absolutely true. I mean, <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, it's not, not that it's not that integrated. The bigger town, the bigger cities are better, but you know, smaller ones not so much. Six zero three four three five eleven zero five. Free Talk Lives Live Sunday Edition. Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated radio program on more than 100 radio stations coast to coast. We've been named Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation thrice. And five times the best political podcast from podcastawards.com. You can have access to our 90 plus stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for less than $1,000 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com. Free Talk Lives, live Sunday edition. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. Give us a call at 603-435-1105. Take your call about anything, but we have been talking about eh, kind of religious headgear. Yeah, it seems to be a theme over the last few weeks in the show. And, uh, you know, there's different folks uh, calling in with their opinions. Uh, We've got uh, Chip in Delaware. Chip, you there? I'm here. How you doing? Well... All right. Well, let's get into it. Um, well, I read that article you guys were talking about, and um, I'm reminded of uh, one of my favorite phrases, which is just that just because things are bad, they shouldn't be prohibited. Sure. And uh, I'm thinking, I mean, I think the company's policy is pretty stupid as far as that goes, but at the same time, um, they should be able to do what they want. Although. So well, you're ta- am, you're um, referring to the discrimination aspect being bad but shouldn't be prohibited, or the the wearing of headgear being bad but shouldn't be prohibited. Well, well I'm not, I'm I'm less than thrilled with their policy on the headgear. I mean, it, it's a little. It sounds like, um, if nothing else, even disregarding the discrimination part, they have something of a problem because 
one manager said that she could wear it, and then another manager said she couldn't. Sure. Yeah. So, so what if this goes to the situation of um, the Austrian citizen who wants to wear a colander on his head? Um, you know, I mean, if if she's out on the floor uh, selling raiments to people, I can see why they wouldn't want her to wear the headgear. If she's in the back, you know, moving boxes around, I can see why it's not a problem, mm-hmm. or why it shouldn't be a problem. But if, you know, some guy wants to wear a colander on his head, I mean, that's pretty laughable, too. You know, what uh, What do you think about that? Well, I think the idea is that most employers would probably have some sort of gener- general policy saying that you have to have maintained a professional appearance. Mm-hmm. And while a standard you know, headgear that a lot of people in the world wear is one thing. Wearing a calendar on your head is not exactly a standard professional thing to do. I think so. it can depend on where you are as to whether it's standard or not. Yeah. I mean, I think this hijab can uh, really draw some attention in certain areas of the country, negative mm-hmm. attention. Well, not, th- not that that's, I think that's okay. That's true. I mean, if I was in, say, rural Indiana, that would be a lot different than, say, San Francisco or something. Indeed. Like there, there is truth in that. But either way, I mean, I don't. I don't personally think it's a role, um, an area for the government to play any role. Yeah, and this is the the thing. Even though I think that uh, Abercrombie and Fitch should allow this woman to wear her headgear if she's working in the back, Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. respect their right to terminate the relationship. And the reason it is is because maybe they're doing the right thing and we'll find out over time. Uh, and if they're doing the wrong thing, we'll still find out over time because they'll they'll do it to their own detriment. I can right. imagine it a seems... lot of Muslim people won't purchase their stuff if mm. they find this out. And yeah. I think that I think this story should go, you know, should get viral. It would get viral. It would be very important in a world where, well, we're not so busy talking about what the G20 wants to do and, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the sovereign debt crisis of Greece and all that other crap that goes into it. Mm. Yeah. I really think there's, they're... There's way... Oh, go ahead, Chip. Sorry. No, sorry. I was just saying there's really too much politics involved with this at all. I mean, I absolutely support Abercrombie's right to have really bad employee policies sure. to do what they want, even if they're wrong. Thanks for the call, Chip. All right. Thank you. Yeah, it seems to me like they'd be missing out on a lot of good employees if they're indeed discriminating against them for dumb reasons, be it because they're female, because they're uh, married or unmarried, or because they wear stuff on their heads. Whatever reason, if they limit their potential pool of employees based on arbitrary things, then they're going to harm themselves. Yeah, it's an issue like they have to deal with. That's their problem. Mm-hmm. You know, if if I'm only going to have friends with, uh, you know, people, I'm only going to, I refuse to talk to, be friend, friendly with in any way, shape, or form anybody who is not a woman between the ages of 18 and 25, and <laughs> I consider to be hot. Like, that's going to drive away not only uh, the people that aren't, that don't fit that description, but a lot of people that do fit that description because they, Oh, wow. What a flaming jerk. Oh, yeah. Right. So, uh-huh. um, you know, that's to some extent, that's what Abercrombie and Fitch is doing here. Yeah. I feel that a little bit. Not a big not, flaming, not flaming. Just it's a little jerky. <laughs> so anyway, let's go go back to the phones. We've got a bunch of calls here. We got uh, Nick in Illinois. Nick, how are you? Hi. Today, I'd like to talk about the ways or at least one way that people frame the idea of the state so as to justify its actions. Okay. Uh, I like to come up with counter-arguments against my own beliefs to test them. In particular, I like to try to find ways to spin the actions of the state so as to justify them, or at least most of what it does, except for this or that tweak, according to the beliefs and morals espoused by the liberty perspective. Okay. One frame that I have come up with, which you, Mark, sometimes allude to, and which I think is the perspective that most people have when they think of the government, is the idea that the government is a corporation that 
owns all the land in the country, and therefore we should be thankful we're allowed to dwell here at all because we are merely renters. Yes, they uh, are. I think, they, and they are a corporation that has achieved that ownership by absolute threats and destruction. Yeah. Uh, well, we're talking about like a – let's imagine there's a hypothetical state that somehow came to own the land legitimately. It, and you know, some people would say, well, even if it acquired it by illegitimate means, it owned it for long enough that it – that it owns it legitimately now or, you know, forgive and forget or, or whatnot. Sure. There's an uh, argument to be had there. Yeah, and I think people use this to justify laws, even the ones they disagree with, by thinking, hey, this is their land, their rules. If you don't like it, then get out. Some people yeah, do. definitely some people do. Yeah. I think where this idea falls apart is because even if we frame the state in this way, owning land does not give a person carte blanche to do what they want to the people residing on it. You don't have the right to just arbitrarily throw someone in a cage or shoot them because they're on your property. Uh, a few nights ago, Mark said that if he owned a road, he would be able to make people pay him a million dollars and wear a pink fuzzy pimp hat to use this road. <laughs> yes. so the reason why Mark can do that is not because he actually has any kind of right to do that just because they're on his land. It's because he has a right to evict people from his property for any reason he sees fit, even if that reason is a million dollars and a pink fuzzy pimp hat. Yes. <laughs> so the question is, like, would the government be better if instead of throwing people in a cage, it said, you know, get out of the country, assuming it somehow owns the land legitimately? I suppose, uh, you know, that would I, I think that that would create um, a situation for the state that would it would force people into moves. And essentially now. I believe the solution to the problem, uh, the problems that we have centered around the state is really the destruction of sort of the monopoly aspect of the state. Um, the state, uh, you know, claims to be a monopoly in a given land area. I see no reason that there can't be two, three, or multiple states. By state, I mean government, government, governmental organizations. Um, right, that, because if Mark you know, owns a road and he tries to charge people a million dollars and make them wear a fuzzy pink hat to go on his road, uh, he might be able to get away with that in some instances if people really, really want to get across that road and it's the only road road. they could take. But if there are two roads and the other guy, Ian owns the other road, and Ian says, well, you can come on my road just with a pimp hat or nothing, (laughs) then everyone's going to take Ian's road and Mark will have no choice but to, you know, lower his prices if he wants anyone to I will never lower my standards. (laughs) Well, then your road is going to be unutilized, probably. Well, it's only utilized well, by the very best. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, in that instance, we might say that Mark has a monopoly on the use of that road, and he can exclude people he wants. So what if the government just said, uh, no other governments are allowed residing on this all this land that I own? That's uh, well, th- th- you know, this is they the do, this they? is the issue of them really owning the land or not, and I think that I think that one can put into dispute them owning the land. They don't. They never bought it. Um, you know, they, they they never paid any money. One can cite the Louisiana Purchase, but all they did was Thomas Jefferson paid Napoleon Bonaparte, um, or maybe it was Napoleon the Third. I'm not sure. They Napoleon. Could, they could say that they homesteaded it, but they really just killed off a bunch of native. Right. All they did is pay were... the money to be able to execute Indians. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. In I that totally area. Agree with that. What's that? But what about places like Holland, where the original settlers settled it and truly did homestead the area? You know, there there may be some arguments to be had uh, there, and you know, I this this is where I get into the problems with uh, these uh, deed restricted communities and things that uh, Ian often talks about. I think that. Human freedom is a far more important aspect um, than sort of uh, you know this these 
property rights where people turn them over and they have these uh, deeds where they you know they decide the fate of the land ad infinitum into the future. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can do that. I think that uh, at some point or another that uh, that that fades. Well, another point is that governments have a disincentive to exclude people from the land masses that they claim to own because they want people to be tax slaves to them, and so they want their livestock on their farm. Nick, good thoughts. Uh, give us a call again soon next week. Bye. Free Talk Live. I've started playing a new online game. It's called Mine Things. It's a free online mining game. It's all in your browser. There's nothing to download. Your little mining robot guy can mine for you 24-7. You don't even need to be logged in. You compete with other players for resources in a capitalist economy. The virtually mined gold demonstrates the concept of sound money and is exchanged between players tax-free. They even accept bitcoins. Go to MineThings.com, use coupon code FTL, and double your mining speed. It's free. MineThings.com. Free Talk Live, 603-435-1105. Give us a call. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. We've been talking about uh, hijabs, uh, Muslim headgear, that kind of thing. And, you know, run, wandering off into to other areas as we, we are wont to do here on Free Talk Live. But uh, Pat from Michigan. Um, Pat. Hey, how are you? Uh, capital. You? I'm doing all right. Excellent. What would you like to talk about? Well, so I guess I'm kind of outraged about this whole uh, headdress thing, because I think Abercrombie and Fitch should be able to pretty much do whatever it wants. I mean, it's, it's brand image is pretty important to the company, right? Yep. Right. But did you know um, from the story that she was actually working in the back stock room? She wasn't working on the floor. Okay. Yeah, I didn't hear that. Yeah, that's we we think that's we think that's an important aspect to the yeah. story. I mean, I suppose I one can can make make the argument that if she uh you know walks through the store to go to the potty in the mall someplace or um, is leaving through the back door that someone it might affect the brand in sort of a cursory way. But I think that it's much more um, important for a salesperson on the floor wearing a, a hijab than uh, you know some stack, stock person in the back. I agree with you. I still think they should be able to do whatever it is they want to do. I agree. I, w- I think they, they should be able to weather the storm of public opinion if they make that decision and not have the government come in and tell them, hey, this yep. is what you have to do. I- mm-hmm. Same here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder if she was wearing a hijab on the floor, like what, if she's working as a salesperson on the in the front store. Maybe that would actually compel some people who are also is subscribed to Islam to buy the Could. clothes, maybe they'd say, you know, it looks nicer. If you do it, you got to do it with style and flair. There's no doubt about that. You can't just, yeah. uh, you know, wear one of those uh, light blue hijabs or whatever, you know, just uh, with any old thing. That's just not going to work. Uh, but <laughs> Well, speaking of which, I've I've sometimes seen women wear them and it's like they, they say it's about modesty, but then like sometimes they're, they're very highly decorated. Yeah. And so it's like that seems to conflict those two 
the well, ideas. You know, they, they wear they wear them for cultural reasons, but you know, people and I think uh, women in particular, um, you know, they they know that they <laughs> they get positive attention by gaining attention, and so therefore they're going to do those things. You'll find that older women tend to wear more jewelry. It seems to me, mm-hmm. you know, they'll they'll wear uh, the the flashier, bigger jewelry. Why do they do that? Well, I suspect it's because they want to be, you know, they want people's attention for the attractive jewelry. You know, they or they want to show off their social status or yeah, maybe social their, status their earning power. Yep. Or- Hmm, I don't know. Or they just think it looks good. Maybe they do that, it for themselves. Certainly, that's true. Pat? Um. Yeah, I mean, I I just think Abercrombie and Fitch, well, it seems they could have handled this issue a lot differently. Indeed. I mean, I don't know if it's having the, I guess it was the district manager yeah. come in and, and fire her. I, I, I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, there's, uh, thanks for the call, Pat. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how they've, uh, you know, what, <laughs> it doesn't seem like this has turned out as well as it could for them. And it seems like it's a PR <laughs> failure. No way. Uh, but, and I, I stay, I still think they should be able to do what they want. It's their store. Mm-hmm. Well, but, another aspect of this story that we didn't mention before was that she, um, the woman whose name is, um, sorry, I'll pull it. Oh, Hani Khan. She said that, um, She's received some death threats since this story went public. There's always these anti-Muslim folks out there that want to yeah. throw people. I mean, you know, we've had them call the the show. You can hear them on other shows where they're where they know they're going to get a sort of a better um, reception. You know, they, they they want to just throw all Muslims in cages. Yeah, um, and that is so sad. Yeah, uh, and that's just sick. Totally I mean. backwards and sick. I completely agree. But the world's full of it, and what are you going to do? You know, it's uh, the best. Uh, the best one can do is uh, you know to go on and uh, you know, try to conduct one's life in uh, the, the the most moral way one can. Yeah. So, um, you know, we've we've spent some time on the story. I'd like if if you've got uh, anything else to say on it, call us at six zero three four three five eleven zero five. I want to go on to another one. I got this article from Mercola.com. That's M-E-R-C-O-L-A. Oh, yeah, I know Dr. Mercola. Mm-hmm. He has... Um, he's a very big natural health yep. kind of advocate. He's mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the, the big one out there. And I, don't, I, I can't say that I agree with everything that I see on his site. I think he tries to portray um, you know, think, as, many, as much stuff for, for his audience as he can. And, and he's I, selling products and he's yeah. kind of writing these articles that are based on fear oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think he, he's got some good information on there and I've actually changed some things about my diet, at, you yep. know, because of things that I've read on his website that I didn't know before. But I, I don't like the kind of fear mongering. I don't take everything. I don't yeah. take everything that I get off that site. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to continue to brush my teeth with fluoride toothpaste. Thanks very much. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. This one, you know, he he is you know a big supporter of Ron Paul, so he's got at least some of level of the libertarian uh, you know mindset down. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows the Federal Reserve is a disaster. I I haven't spoken to him um, in real life, but uh, I think he gets it a lot of ways. And um, this is just from one of his articles. It's it's not the whole thing, but it's about grass fed beef. Um, you're familiar with the nourishing traditions idea. Absolutely, yeah, and that's. Are you talking about Weston Price? Yes, Weston Price. Yeah. So for our listeners who aren't familiar, um, Weston Price was a a dentist, I believe, and he learned a lot about not only dental health but also just general metabolism and and human health. And he advocated uh, sort of, I guess, a low carbish diet, but like um, natural foods, like raw 
I guess, raw milk and like grass-fed animals yes. and stuff like that. As opposed to the what you get in the grocery store, mostly grain-fed beef, mm-hmm. so that it basically becomes diseased. And by diseased, we mean it's marbleized with fat, which is really tasty. Um, <laughs> right. And- but they also have to feed, I mean, when the cows are fed grain, mm-hmm. and actually they even f- feed fish grain, fish that are farmed, they mm-hmm. even feed them corn and stuff. Um, when the cows are fed grain, it doesn't agree with their digestive systems. And so they get a lot of um, gas and like GI distress. And mm-hmm. so they have to actually feed the cows antibiotics oftentimes to quell their um, intestinal upset from the grain that they can't digest. And so we never gave our cows antibiotics because they were all grass fed. Right. And their natural diet. Yeah. I, but I, you know, I'm, I'm getting the grass. We're eating the grass fed meat at my house a great deal now. And mm-hmm. I can tell you. I, pref- I, you know, I've I've come to prefer the uh, the grain fed really? beef in, this, in the store. Well, that's actually interesting because I recently switched from conventional meat to grass fed meat mm-hmm. and butter because I did it for health reasons to try to you know decrease the um, inflammation in my body and I know it has a healthier ratio of omega three to six fatty acids that are. Um, you know, supposed to be less inflammatory and inflammation underlies a lot of chronic health conditions and so forth. So um, I switched to grass fed and I've been getting the cheapest grass fed I can find because it's expensive. It is more expensive. So that means eating a lot of ground beef and ground buffalo and um, and I do get grass-fed butter, which I really enjoy. And mm-hmm. that butter is the most flavorful I've ever tasted. Yes, it's it so is. different from regular butter. Most of the diet I find to be very agreeable. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm just, you know, when you when you're talking about a a ribeye from the grocery store versus a, a grass-fed ribeye, I find the one from the grocery store to be more flavorful mm-hmm. because it's sort of this diseased, marbleized. It has more fat in it. Yeah, it's just you know, it's a situation, <laughs> just tastier. So um, what this, you know, that's what this article's about. But it's specifically talking about the USDA's standards for grass, for the new grass-fed label. Yeah. And this is a relatively new label. It's uh, from 2007. And you won't believe the stunning stupidity wrapped up in this label. Give us a call, 603-435-1105, Free Talk Live, Sunday edition. People ask me, Tim, why did you start VerbalSurgery.com? Well, it's easy. I started making these podcasts to make you feel better right now. That's right. From the tops of the Himalayas to the bottom of the deepest seas. That's right. These broadcasts go out to everywhere on the planet and most importantly, deep inside your brain to make you feel better right now. And isn't that what it's all about? VerbalSurgery.com. Check it out today. Free Talk Live, 603-435-1105. It's the live Sunday edition. And, uh, you know, this is basically podcast only at this point. Uh, Podcast, live stream, anybody who's getting us on the internet or uh, free-to-air satellite, Soon. Judging by the amount of callers, we have a lot of participation and a lot of internet listeners. There are several hundred, usually, listeners uh, to to our online streams. There are various online streams, and we've tried to quantify that, and several hundred is the best number I can come up with. Um, I haven't heard of too many... Free-to-air listeners, if you are a free-to-air listener, please feel free to call me during the break and just let me know that you're listening on free-to-air satellite. I'd love to know that uh, that was the case. Mm. 
But um, you know, you know, while you're will, willing away the hours on the internet, uh, there's so many things at Free Talk Live too. It's one of the largest websites of any nationally syndicated radio program, and one of the things that makes it truly unique, uh, truly unique, is the the amount of um, of archives that we make available to our listeners. Most shows. Yeah, you can listen live online, but you got to pay to be able to get any archives, and usually their archives aren't lo- available for very long. Free Talk Live not only gives away right on the front page the last seven days, but in our at archives.freetalklive.com, we have archives going back to 2006, all for free. Mm. Uh, you know, and I mean, it's <laughs> that's a lot of content for people to listen to. A lot of content talking about freedom, talking to uh, you know people who haven't heard the ideas, talking about people who are very uh, versed in the ideas. Lots and lots of different stuff. So uh, go check it out at archives.freetalklive.com. Before I get back into the uh, story about the, um, the the grass-fed certification from the government here, I, just a real just a headline that I want to read from Bloomberg.com: Silver may rebound to test one hundred dollar level. Citigroup says in a technical analysis. Wow. Okay. So it's not me that's saying that I think that silver is going to go to 100 maybe $200. I don't know. Right now it's at, uh, last I saw, it was about, at four, about 40 Around bucks. 40, yeah. And I got to say, people, forego whatever pleasures you're going to go, you know, you're going to deal with in the next couple of months and get the silver. It's going to shoot up and it's probably going to shoot up by the end of the year. Um, I'm not going to say it's going to be all the way to the 100 here, and I don't know what the technical analysis says, and you can uh, go to Bloomberg.com and read the entire thing. But the headline, pretty impressive. So what I would recommend is going to gold.freetalklive.com. We've got gold and silver coins there that you can purchase. They are at highly in competitive rates. I don't think you will find uh, too many better rates on the Internet. I you know I don't see too many better rates than this, and I do kind of look around a bit. I can't say I'm not I'm simply not going to go out on a limb and say it's the lowest rate in the internet. No way would I do that. But it, they're they're competitive, and you'll be helping Free Talk Live, and you'll be helping Genesis Communications Network, which is our syndicate, and so it goes a long way to helping the ideas that uh, you have. Plus, you get great rates. It's gold.freetalklive.com. Silver is going to probably be going up. So is gold. These are good ideas. And uh, let's get back into the grass-fed beef thing here. So the USDA has enacted new standards for a grass-fed label. According to this new USDA marketing claim standard... It's very rigorous, right? It's, they have to pass a, a serious test and they have to have inspectors come and verify that the cows are actually grass-fed, right, right, Mark? That's what the government would like people to believe. They would <laughs> love to believe that the government is sending around people in white coats to test and, and you know do all these things, that when something says it's USDA certified, that means that the government agent has looked it over, tested it, put stuff into vials, you know, all kinds of things. This couldn't be further from the truth, and this is just another example. Here's the qu- quotation uh, gr- from the government itself. Grass and forage shall be the feed source consumed for the lifetime of the ruminant animal, with the exception of milk consumed prior to weaning. The diet shall be derived solely from forage consisting of grass, annual and perennial, fobs, forbs, forbs, legumes, brassica, browse or cereal grain crops in the vegetative pre-grain state. Animals cannot be fed grain or grain byproducts and must have continuous access to pasture during the growing season. Hay, haylage, baleage, silage, 
Crop residue without grain and other roughage sources may also be included as acceptable feed sources. I hope that means something to someone. It doesn't mean a lot to me. (laughs) (laughs) But I just, you know, it it sounds very official. Mm -hmm. This sounds all well and good. However, there are a few loopholes, according to Mercola. Most importantly, these standards are voluntary. So in order for you to confirm that this standard is actually being met and the animals were being indeed grass-fed until the end, the meat must also carry the USDA process verified label in addition to the grass-fed label. So you can get this grass-fed label from the United States government enacted in 2007 by saying, I have grass-fed animals. And paying them, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Now, wow. if you want the, them to test it, it has to have a USDA process verified label. But I'm, oh. I, I'm asking you this. When you're standing in the grocery store, when the average person who hasn't read this is standing in the grocery store looking at the label on the meat that says USDA grass fed, mm-hmm. are they going to assume that the government is certifying that this is grass fed? I think most people are, yeah. That seems like it's it's a reasonable assumption. And this is this just goes to show what happens when you sort of um, you know, <laughs> you allow a monopoly to exist. The government has gotten so big. It's not a monopoly in this area. You can certify your beef as grass-fed by anyone. You can mm-hmm. have the Stephanie process certified. And I can assure you <laughs> it will be better than the USDA's. Um, <laughs> the, but you know, they 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 have created for themselves this cloak of legitimacy this uh, this this just the very idea that the USDA's symbol is on this the USDA is an incompetent organization yeah i mean that that could not possibly stand up to the rigors of competition in the marketplace if they were to have their sweet sweet government paychecks taken away and they had to compete on the basis of um you know real competition here let me go on additionally it's pointed out by the american grass-fed association the definition of growing season means that animals could be confined indoors for long periods and can be kept off of pasture even when there is grass growing the rules also do not restrict the use of antibiotics and hormones in the animals and Another. there's also no way to check, right? Right. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> uh, if a farmer says, oh, I only use the hormones once, what's the big deal? That yeah, seems nah. really misleading yeah. to, it's to consumers. Highly misleading. Yeah. If the, the American Grass-Fed Association should come up with its own label, and that would be of more value because, yeah. you know, when, you just can't trust the government when it comes to food. Yeah. And actually, wasn't there something really similar with the government labeling things organic? Like, isn't the, I don't really know the details on this, but isn't the government's organic certification a total joke and anyone who is As I understand it, I know that the in inter- that? That, that's what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, I don't know enough about organic food mm-hmm. to know whether you know that's the case i don't know enough about organic food to be able to talk intelligently about it mm-hmm. um i don't know that i can talk intelligently about much but the 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 fact is i've heard people who can talk intelligently about it say things like that we've also read articles that basically say that the government's energy star rating is stupid um you know that <laughs> yeah. although companies may try very hard to be energy efficient and have the energy star rating that the energy star rating in and of itself is of no value mm-hmm. um so you know it's it's really these third party certification organizations which are the best ones mm-hmm. i you know that's that's the best way to to look at these things and and the way i would recommend it but um you know it's it's just a another case here where where the government's you know, sort of claiming wrapping itself up and it's oh we're the government you should trust what we say uh, it's it's um Another issue that's frequently overlooked is the cost to the farmer. The USDA certification is costly, which mm-hmm. prevents many small farmers who are often raising food in traditional, healthy ways from legally calling their products USDA grass-fed. 
because they can't afford to pay for the certification, which is valueless in the first place. Right. If you go to your local farm and talk to the farmer, you can determine whether or not they fulfill the criteria of ethical and sustainable grass-fed um, and finished meat production for yourself. By going straight to the source, you're likely getting the best meat there is, USDA certified or not. This is how my wife does it. Mm. She considers this to be a mandate for her. And I think a lot of women, once they get a kid, they start they go bananas and they want to make sure that their kid is getting the very best uh, you know, treatment. They're growing the best little you know, super child. That doesn't uh, sound bananas to me. That um, sounds like a good mom. It, it is. It, it, I, <laughs> I think that... I think that there's times when the good momness can go overboard. Oh, wood so to- that never only, happens to men. Only wood toys. I'm sure that uh, portrays <laughs> itself. I'm constantly trying to turn my son from liking Superman to uh, Captain America like his daddy, but uh, <laughs> we, can, we can go into that later. 603-435-1105. I did see the Captain America movie, and I enjoyed it. Free Talk Live's live Sunday edition. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. You know, we've been uh, talking about uh, the USDA's graph, grass-fed certification here. Uh, also talking about hijabs, uh, whether, what's one's right to wear religious headgear at work. So uh, if you want to give us a call at 603-435-1105, all of those are topics that are on the, the board. Or we can talk about anything you want to talk about. Uh, go to m.freetalklive.com if you've got one of them smartphones. Um, it, uh, it's, it's, it's sized properly for you to look at, uh, all the stuff at freetalklive.com. And, uh, that's just another way that free talk live is trying to make the internets available to you. You know, we recently did a ranking of the major talk radio shows, internet websites mm-hmm. and free talk live came in at number 11. Wow. Right. That's great. You're talking about uh, ranking Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, Glenn Beck, uh, Michael Savage, you know, all these shows. And you're finding that Free Talk Live comes in number 11 on a list compared to these people. It's incredible um, that, uh, you know, this little show that started uh, that barely makes enough essentially to uh, to to make enough money for two guys to make a living. And then, Stephanie, you're uh, managing to to cash in a little bit. um, And I'm glad to see that happening. But, you know, just we're not making not making buttloads of money here and we just we came from 2002 to 2006 uh, essentially there was no money made at all Mm -hmm. and it's slowly grown over time thanks to sacral cai thanks to uh, memorydealers.com um and and the business model is really fitting with lean new culture (laughs) yeah well it's it's lean but it's also very well adapted, I think, to the current climate where yeah. there are a lot of young people listening to internet radio. Sure. You're not just like competing for the same old dinosaurs that are listening to Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity, right? You're in a niche. Right. One of, one of the main reasons we want to get on radio stations, I suppose it's really two, uh, twofold. A, um, I mean, because... Our podcast and online stream listeners, that's where the real money is mm-hmm. as far as uh, at this point, as far as, um, you know, they, they, those are the people that are really supportive of the show. And they're the ones that buy the products, mm. uh, you know, it, it, compared. There's so much more valuable to, than a radio listener. But we want to be able to spread the ideas 
And in the process, we also want to bring on board sort of the entertaining um, oldster that gets on and says, Why, what's your crazy? You can't have chimeras, people. Oh, it's, it's Je- Jesus hates this. You know, whatever. <laughs> and, you know, that's that's really entertaining to the uh, the, the, the listener of Free Talk Live, and, and, and it can be very compelling. I can tell you that our Saturday downloads are much higher than uh, the rest huh. of the week. Well, the rest of the week is getting more and more like Saturday shows with the, the amount of uh, – of of stations that are being brought on but nothing compares to saturday <laughs> so you know the u.s dollar is devaluing you can see it happening every day all you have to do is go to the grocery store the gas station all these things are the results of the federal reserve printing more money you know a new currency is going to take over at some point of i've heard i don't I, you know i have no uh you know citation for this but i've heard that Fiat currencies last an average of 39 years, and therefore uh, the, huh. the Federal Reserve note is at 40 at this point. <laughs> oh, wow. So, Interesting. Um, you know, oh, topping the hill there as far as that goes. And um, it, the, it, the likelihood is that some currency will take over at some point in the future. That currency could be the Bitcoin. They're a decentralized internet, anonymous internet currency. They're free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You could use them anywhere in the world, and their value has been trending upward with time. A few months ago, they were less than a dollar a piece. Now they're at fourteen dollars a piece or, th- or thereabouts. Um, they were, they, you know, they kicked up to thirty. They had some kind of problem with security. Hopefully, some of that's been addressed. I wouldn't know, but um, <laughs> they're, they've kind of been stick, sticking around fourteen bucks recently. You know, can you get them at 14? Will they be in a couple of months worth 28? I don't know. Uh, but Bitcoins and uh, uh, silver are the places where I'm putting my sort of commodity bet. You can find out more about Bitcoins by going to weusecoins.org. It's weusecoins.org. So um, apparently Johnson wants some kind of uh, credit for uh, doing this. Uh, I've just got an IM here. Johnson, our uh, web guru, maybe he made the list. I always assumed it was Ian that had made the list, but maybe Johnson did. Oh, the list of the ranking of the websites? The list of the ranking. Yes, I'm sorry. I got to, oh, cool. it, it popped up here. So few people have my uh, IMs. Um, you know, <laughs> I tend to pay attention to them during the show. It IMs, honestly. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like having a bunch of producers around the world. Um, you know, I, I keep my uh, list of IM uh, buddies low mm. and, um, you know, I, I consider them to be quite valuable. So anyway, I guess Johnson put together that list. Cool. Thanks, go. Johnson. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm kind of curious, maybe he could call in and let us know, like, what was, how did he compile this list? Was it based on Alexa rankings? It was on Alexa, yes. Okay. Uh, Alexa.com and uh, I, you know, they're so on when you talk about these, this is the talkers top 10 list, which has 34 people on it. Yeah. Do you understand that? <laughs> top 10 list with 34. <laughs> yes. It's, it's amusing that the top 10 list would have 34. But in fact, there are a lot of ties. And I think they rank them based on, uh, you know, 0.5 millions of people listening. So there are a lot of ties at like 1 million, 2 million, things like that. Oh, okay. Um, and, you know, I don't have it sitting directly. Do they assume a degree of error like you can't know for sure how many people are listening within this margin of error or something? They do. Um, mm. You know, that's that's certainly the case. Uh, you know, they it, it's it's all just kind of uh, what they can uh, try to get, uh, try to guess as far as who's listening to what. But, yeah. you know, that's how Arbitron works. But you know, the, the leader of the pack has for a very long time. I love the time. name of that Arbitron. Like it's arbitrary. <laughs> Arbitron. <laughs> a little robot that's arbitrary. Yeah. Well. You know, it's um. Oh, I see. Johnson wants credit for the getting the website the additional traffic, not um, that he did the uh, show. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. 
Thank you, Johnson. So um, anyway, I'm trying to uh, figure out the Johnson the does a lot of stuff for Free Talk Live behind the scenes. He I, does. I think it's completely appropriate. And it's not like he doesn't get paid either, that. but apparently he wants credit too. <laughs> I see. Well, I'm a noob to Free Talk Live. I just wanted to acknowledge and appreciate what, yeah. what Johnson Indeed did. he does. There's no doubt about it. I mean, <laughs> I would not uh, I would not make a claim that it was otherwise. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it. Free Talk Live is a, uh, it's a it's an effort by a lot of people doing a lot of different things. And, you know, mm-hmm. many of them don't get the credit that they deserve. Uh, you know what? This is true for lots of radio shows. Sure. And they get far more credit than, than most radio shows will give. <laughs> but so these top 10 lists, uh, Rush Limbaugh hasn't always, will, you know, has been at the top of this list for a very long time. Sean Hannity, Glenn Beck, um, Michael Savage. I'm trying to pull it up here so that, uh, but I happen to know, you know, who's sort of where. Um, mm-hmm. it's uh, loading on my computer remarkably slowly. Rush Limbaugh's at number one. Sean Hannity with fifteen million, which is really down for him. I've seen him as high as like twenty-five million. Wow! But fifteen it's, million people. It's um, also you have to look at an election year that makes a big difference for him. Yeah. Sean Hannity at fourteen million, which is really close. You Sean used to be half of Rush. Mm. Uh, Glenn Beck, Michael Savage, uh, nine million. Mark Levin, Dave Ramsey, Mark Levin with the cram down. Dave Ramsey earned everything he's got, sitting at number four, eight um, at eight point five million. Neil Bortz, six million. Laura Ingram, six million. Then it uh, starts getting as it gets lower. The the uh, you know there's a lot more people in the list. I guess it's point uh, two five million is the the cutoff. So uh, Jim Bohannon. Jerry Doyle, Mike Gallagher, Mike, Michael Medved, and Doug Steffen all at 3.75 million. Bill Bennett, Clark Howard, George Norrie at 3.5 million. Alan Combs, Tom Hartman, Rusty Humphreys, Stephanie Miller, Ed Schultz at 2.75 million. Don Imus, Kim Commando, mm-hmm. Mancow at 2.5 million. Mm-hmm. Hugh Hewitt, Dennis Miller, uh, both at 1.75 million. I guess it's the top 12 list, not the top 10. My mistake. Lars Larson and Dennis Prager at 1.5 million. Dr. Joy, who used to be number five, is down to number 12. Huh. Uh, she's got 1 million. So does Gordon Deal. I'm not even familiar with his name. Lou Dobbs, Bill Handel, Roger Hedgecock, and G. Gordon Liddy. I thought G. Gordon Liddy was dead. The um, <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So, okay. The still thing, drawing in the crowds. I'm not much. trying to collectivize, but I noticed that a lot of these people on this list have some common themes and those are, you know, uh, I guess hatred or negativity towards people from different cultures, you know, anti, um, homosexuality themes. I mean, I I wouldn't say that that is, uh, I wouldn't say that theme is unrepresented. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I find that really unfortunate that there are 15 million people that are gravitating towards those ideas, you know, but the, Ideas of freedom maybe aren't as popular yet until we get them. Many into of their those ears. people do talk about ideas of freedom at the same time. I mean, I don't know how many people came to liberty movements by listening to Rush Limbaugh initially, but I can yeah. say that Ian and I did. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, I started out being sort of a Rush head. What do they call ditto head? Um, and and you know, I. As time went by, I found parts of his rhetoric to be, uh, you know, it didn't hold together. Mm-hmm. I, I never had really any big problems with gay people. I mean, you know, yeah. um, I, when I was younger, it was fun to make you know, it's always fun to make fun of people. And there have uh, you know been people there have been people that are gay that have uh, been the, uh, you know, the subject of me making fun. But it wasn't where I exclusively made fun of people and it wasn't exclusively, uh, you know, all gay people I made fun of just well, you know. and that's really a hardcore ingrained in culture yeah, but at is. least you realized it now and have changed your I outlook. think that I think everybody's moving down a path of more tolerance hopefully um, you know, and, and that's all we can really do 603-435-1105 free talk live 
The Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP, features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip, and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com slash LC9. Talk Lives, live Sunday edition. Smart with you. And Stephanie. And give us a call at 603-435-1105. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. We've been talking about uh, Free Talk Lives rankings on the web, among websites. We've been talking about uh, the USDA's grass-fed label. Also, uh, the, the wearing of religious headgear and raiment while on the job and you know how that fits in as far as rights and that kind of thing. If you love to chime in, we'd love to hear from you. 603-435-1105. And I had just gotten finished uh, reading off the entire talk, Top Talk uh, radio audiences uh, from Talkers Magazine. But the point I really wanted to make was that Free Talk Live, among these 34 people on this top list of 12 here, um, the, you know, all these names mean something to someone in the industry. Free Talk Live came in number 11. So Free Talk Live's website is uh, – it is – something of size and note inside the talk industry. And to me, it's just amazing that uh, this little show that uh, Ian basically himself put together initially, and that, you know, certainly it's uh, been a lot of work for me the last uh, few years, but, um, you know. I just like it when Mark is promoting the Free Talk Live website, and he says, Free Talk Live has the biggest website on the internet. (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) But uh, Johnson called in, apparently he heard his name, and... uh, you know, say his name and the devil will come. Johnson. <laughs> nice intro. Well, you know, you made me sound like an attention horse, so I might as well just call in and fulfill the role. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, because, you know, I don't ask for credit. I don't, you know, there's no, <laughs> there's no ads on the website. Yeah, I get paid, but I do a lot more. You do. You know, I do a lot of extra stuff over time. And hey, you know what? Johnson, it's okay, it's okay to ask for credit. I think it's okay if you want to be acknowledged, you can speak up about I, that. And that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> that's fine with me. But, um, but uh, you know, there, as far as that goes, I mean, you say Ian built the website originally. Yeah, while it was on Clear Channel, and then I stepped in. And, Is that so? Uh, you know, so uh, there was a long period of time where I was working on the Free Talk Live website for nothing. Yeah, I, uh, I know. I know you came up with the the one thing that I know of note is that you made the uh, the 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 logo. I didn't know that you had stepped in early on. I know that you came in and like, certainly heavily in the note. second here's iteration. Of note that you that you might want to take note of. I, I invented AMP. Yes, so, that's true. Uh, Did you invent the, the internet? Well, you didn't <laughs> like invent Gal-Gor. AMP. You brought it to Free Talk Live. I mean, uh, you know, there were podcasts out there that were doing the well, freemium model, uh, but you brought sure. it to Free Talk Live and made it. To, it wasn't the advertise, market, and promote. I mean, it was, you know, it was. So, I mean, there, were, there was variation. Yep. But I think also the other important thing, and the other reason why I wanted to call in is, you know, not to take entire credit for the website, but I think uh, Jacob and David Parrish also need some credit because they're the guys who work um, with me on this site, and they have their own web company, um, Upgradia.com. Upgradia? And, you know, they, Upgradia. I've heard of this. But, uh, so Say it again. Spe- instead, of, instead of you, it's YA. It's, instead of Upgrade You, it's Upgrade Ya. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And, they, you know, they do websites, and, you know, they need credit because, I mean, they're, they're great. You know, I, I direct them as far as stuff that 
needs to happen. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of an Internet, you know, I've always been sort of known around Free Talk Live parts as the, the research biatch. And, uh, you do plenty of that, too. Well, and, and that's how Free Talk Live is always uh, ahead of the curve on Okay, so Johnson, um, so as the research biatch, were you listening to the first part of the show, and did you have uh, anything to say about some of the articles that we talked about? Uh, No, I I was not listening to the first part of the show, unfortunately. You just tuned in recently? uh, I I can't listen. I can't listen every night. It's it's too much. <laughs> How can one? There's a lot of content that's produced by Free Talk Live. There's there no sure doubt is. about it. And cool. you know, the well, idea is is to be able to uh, provide that content to live listening audiences, and mm-hmm. you know that means that uh, we have to be available when people are ready to listen. And not everybody's going to listen to the all 21 hours. It seems you know it's just too much. Sure. All we can do is make it most interesting for them to listen. So I think Johnson might have an interesting opinion on the uh, woman who was fired from Abercrombie and Fitch for wearing a Muslim headscarf, a hijab on her head. Did you um, hear anything about that, Johnson? Well, no, I did not. But um, I think that an employer should be able to control their own business. So if she was fired for that, um, I hope that no one takes any action against Abercrombie and Fitch. Well, she actually sued them. uh, She sued them. She did sue them. uh, But by action, do you mean that uh, if I'm a Muslim person and like to wear hijabs um, and that I should uh, continue to shop at Abercrombie and Fitch even though I feel they discriminate against my hijab wearing? Uh, I don't care what you do. (laughs) Yes, I I figured. It really comes comes down to an employer should be able to – you know, control what goes on in their business and okay, uh, include, fi- you know, the, the outfits that people wear and their, their attire. And if that, that, you know, Muslims don't like it, then don't wear it. Well, I fair like enough, it, Johnson. The way, the, way to, the way to phrase that, though, Johnson, is that people should be able to decide what goes on in their relationships. And an employment right. is a type of relationship. And this lady has the right to decide whether or not she comes to work every day. And if the rule to work is not to wear hijabs, then that's fine. If people that wear hijabs uh, have the right to decide where they shop and if they don't want to shop at a place that doesn't like hijabs then fine i mean you know the, all these things are, are fine by me and i think that I, uh, social I, pressures are what work this out i will add that it's probably very unfortunate that the same business will probably say um but crosses are a-okay if you've got a cross around your neck go for it because yeah. you know we live in america and in america we're all 80 percent christian you know so they're going to be of, of course okay with that and, and you know, for business sense, that that makes perfect logical sense. It's just yeah, that's you know, I think that's unfortunate, right? Awful, but yeah, it's discriminatory. It's awful, but I prefer freedom to uh, making laws that uh, are you know <laughs> there to enforce morality upon people. Johnson, I, uh, I I agree with you completely, and thank you for all the hard work that you uh, you, you do on uh, Free Talk Live's website. Go ahead, you, Mark. You got may, something may else? I make a special request before I go. Of me, I, I'd like to. Uh, yes, because it's, I'd like to plug something. I'd okay. like to plug my new project. Okay, what I've is got it? A new, I've started oh, a new blog is... over at whowouldodothat.com. Okay. And, this is uh, very interesting, Mark, actually. I think this is an, an uh, interesting I'll take your concept. word for it. Yeah. I'm just looking to get stories from people. I'm looking to answer that question. Who would do that? And, uh, you know, I'm just getting the, you know, the best stories from around the Internet. I want people to tweet and uh, and send me, you know, their sort of stories if they've ever encountered either – you know, somebody who's done something either heroic or idiotic or, you know, just, you know, maybe they have an ex who did something crazy to them. Uh, just whatever their stories are, 
that answer that question, who would do that? And so, uh, the more personal, I think, the better. At this point, you're looking for people to read stuff or submit stuff? Both. I mean, I've got the blog where I've tried to – I'm trying to um, to curate some stories of my own, and then I've also got a Twitter feed on there to uh, sort of automatically add uh, the best stories that you know I see show up on Twitter. And, and they, uh, they have to have the hashtag – they have to have a hashtag, yeah. right, Johnson? WWDT. Right. Either hash, either WWDT or hashtag. Who would do that? All one word. Mm-hmm. And some of them are they're very funny. What is a hashtag? Um, a hashtag myself. means you put the pound sign and then you put a, a tag like WW. So it would be pound oh, WWDT. <laughs> yeah. And what, what is Twitter, WWDT? Twitter a, what is that? Who would, who would do that? Who would do that? And so nobody else has WWDT um, as a nope. hashtag. Yeah. So, so Johnson's you're blog. unique on the internet and having to hashtag WWDT. I am, and I have huh. WhoWouldDoThat.com, and and what I'm, I mean, essentially, and just I found that you know people, it's an expression that people use, and I think it's an interesting expression. And uh, so I Johnson, I have a question for you. Twitter are very funny. Before you go, what was your favorite story that you've received so far? What's the most funny or interesting one? Oh man, there. I don't have a particular favorite yet, but I mean, they're all—they're <laughs> all very funny. I mean, some of them. But the ones that I prefer are the ones that are when people are saying something from their own personal perspective. I mean, somebody says, you know, someone keeps taking the orange juice out of the refrigerator and leaving it on the counter. Who would do that? You know, that to me is sort of like a unique. You know, it's just an individual, like, little story. And someone, this, that wasn't one, that was completely unprompted. You know, some of these, some of them are, are ones that I've drummed up. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get friends to post their stories. And some of them are just people posting on their own Twitter account, don't know anything about this, and they mm. just ta- use that tag. And those are funny, too. So, yep, that's pretty um, cool. 603-435-1105. Johnson, thanks for the call. You know, I, I, I you know, who would do that? Who, who would take stuff out of the the refrigerator at at work and take other people's food. This is always just baffles me. I mean, uh, that reminds me of the passive aggressive notes blog where people leave passive aggressive notes on like their work fridge and stuff like that and for roommates, funny stuff. You know that cigarettes will kill you. You've been thinking about giving the e-cigarette a try? There is a healthier option. 22,000 times healthier. Well, listen to this offer from vaporsmiths.com. A pack-a-day smoker will save $120 a month. So you already start being richer, feeling healthier, and smelling better. What more could you want? How about a free starter kit? Just purchase 40 cartomizers with coupon code FTL. Free shipping on orders of $60 or more. 855-2-GET-VAPOR or go to Vaporsmiths.com. Six zero three four three five eleven zero five. It's Free Talk Live's live Sunday edition. It's Mark with you and Stephanie. And uh, you know, this, it's it's a, it's a show about your calls. So uh, let's go straight into the calls with uh, Cliff from Miami. Cliff, you there? Hey, how you doing? How you doing, guys? Good night. Hey, doing good. What do you want to talk about? All right. I, yeah, sure. I've been listening to Free Talk Live. You know, probably for like I don't know three years or something like that at this point. Yeah, quite and some time. I thought I couldn't find. Yeah, yeah, it's been some time, and I thought I would have never heard a story that would, I, I would actually found outrageous. But uh, I, heard, I was listening to the Peter Schiff show, uh, I guess one of their reiterations from uh, sometime last week. Uh-huh. And he was talking to a Dr. Brzezinski, 
in Texas who claimed to have found the cure for cancer. Okay. Yeah, which is pretty amazing. And actually, actually looked into this, and it seems like what he's saying is 100% true. What uh, is the cure for cancer, uh, then? Well, it has something to do with, um, uh, well, again, I'm a layman, so you know, don't, 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 don't take uh, what I'm saying to be true. Just take a look up his name or whatever it is. Um, basically, it has something to do with uh, uh, anti-blastomans. Okay. But, uh, with what? I'm sorry? Anti-blastomans? Yeah, yeah. That's, 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 that's the term that I, I call it from it. But essentially, he's been gone after by the uh, Texas Medical... I hope one of you guys are actually looking him up as, as we're talking about this. Stephanie is. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So he, he's, been, he's been gone after by the Texas Medical Board, by the FDA. He's been uh, he's brought up in front of a grand jury for the same reason four times before they can even get him indicted for anything. And he's been acquitted twice. So basically, as far as this, it also, uh, he tried to partner up uh, with uh, some cancer research, uh, sorry, some uh, drug makers, like a pharmaceutical company. Uh-huh. I think it was Leon Pharmaceuticals. They tried to steal his patents. <laughs> they, uh, he, they, he also uh, tried to work with the National Cancer Institute. And it seems that, you know, he, he gave him instructions as to which, because they tried to do an actual, like, this, I mean, this is over a period of 20 some odd years. And back uh, in the '90s, he finally got a, you know got in touch with the National Cancer Institute. They were, they were doing some uh, some tests test, uh, based on his methodology. Okay. They completely changed all of his methodology around. Um, they they diluted his uh, the medicine that he was giving out to to the cancer patients to basically try to discredit him. Uh huh. And like to give you a quick comparison, uh, some certain there are certain brain tumors in, in children in which uh, less than one percent, about 09 percent, uh, there's a 09 percent survival rate. His survival rates are something like twenty five percent. Sounds that's, better. That's huge. No, that's that's more than better. That's that's yeah. huge. We're talking about going sure. from you know uh, one out of a hundred people to twenty five out of a hundred people actually you know surviving something like that. It's, it's huge. It's a big jump. And uh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it sounds like I mean, I know you guys get a lot of calls about quackery or whatever else, but I found this to be compelling. Well, like, you really, know, I've, really I've heard the stories. Uh, I've heard a lot of stories about the cures for cancer and that kind of thing. And I, you know, I mean, as a layperson, what do you do? I, I mean, I know that uh, the the pharmaceutical industry has become more cartelized as time has gone by, and that isn't good for anybody. That's not good for curing diseases. But I also got to wonder. I mean, wouldn't Merck really be able to hand? I, I'm just trying to think of some other, uh, you know, uh, pharmaceutical company, but I can't. Nothing's coming to mind here. But wouldn't a big pharmaceutical Pharmaceutical company A really be able to hand big pharmaceutical company B their butt if they could just cure cancer? I mean, wouldn't they make a buttload of money doing so? Well, this guy's trying to do it on his own, basically, because sure. he doesn't trust these guys to actually, you know, do anything. Apparently, so, he trusted uh, them at one kids, point. Yeah, yeah, and he, and he got screwed over because yeah. actually one of the people that one of his one of his people that he thought was on his staff ended up actually being an employee of one of the pharmaceutical companies. So that's the reason why he's this is this has been taking something like thirty years. And yeah, and, and going to that to, to what you're saying right there, I knew that was going to be one of your uh, one of the things that would be brought up. And, and uh, I please, his name is Macau. Uh, uh, oh my God, I just got his name. Uh, well, well, hopefully somebody somebody was actually uh, listening to this and, and got the beginning of the. Was it Brzezinski? B u r z i n s k i. I want to say. Yeah, yeah I but, lo- I just looked this up, Cliff, and I I haven't. Admittedly, I've my attention's been kind of split between what you were saying and the article that I was just reading. And based on what I'm 
reading. I'm a little skeptical about it, but I'd love to see a little bit more and, and to understand it a little bit better. But it sounds like he's um, coming up with a treatment for brain tumors, a specific type of brain tumor, which can be very aggressive and deadly. And the treatments for them currently that are like FDA approved and mainstream medicine sanctioned are not very good. And, the, you know, the people's yeah. prognosis is What's the is worst that could happen at that point? If there's a 99% mm-hmm. death rate, you know, if yeah. and, and you're taking snake oil instead of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, real medicine or whatever, um, well, real medicine's resulting well, yeah. in... That's the thing. He's actually gone through uh, the first and second stage FDA studies, and he finally got approval in 2009 for the third one, but it cost $300 million. Uh-huh. So he's finally right. actually now actually doing the, the third phase clinical trial. The results are, are pretty real as far as I can tell. Again, you can't go mm-hmm. past first. I mean, it's already a big barrier to get in to begin with. And well, so, so f- stage one and two stages. for clinical trials are... Uh, stage one and two are the dosing and the safety, and then stage three is the effectiveness. So they may have been shown to be safe, but um, it's not known whether they're effective yet um, based on these clinical trials. But I I completely agree with you that it's so expensive and um, uh, laborious and bureaucratic to get these uh, trials done and file the FDA filing fees that are required to get approval for um, a new drug. And it, it all it does is incentivize pharmaceutical companies or anyone who wants to have an FDA approved drug to go for the diseases that the most people have that are that are going to get them hooked on a drug for the rest of their life. So they have to keep paying for the drug and that they can patent. Right. So this creates some real perverse incentives. So the orphan diseases get ignored. The rare tumors, the rare genetic diseases, they get uh, kind of thrown by the wayside because nobody wants to spend the money to develop a drug for them when it costs so much and the barriers to entries are, are so high. If I had cancer, though, I'd be looking this guy's name up right now. Oh, yeah. I, and, and I think I would. the reason why. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, Go ahead. Sorry. I, and I know you guys have a pretty good audience out there, and I'm sure this is probably going to tri- trickle through. I don't know. I don't know who will reach this, who this will reach, but hopefully it'll, it'll save at least one person. Yeah, and, thousands. Uh, one, one of the things that I would say, if anybody's skeptical about this, a good place to start is obviously the guy's website, look up other people, but he also has, uh, I guess, a movie that's either going to come out on Netflix or has already been out, but he actually has it right now for free on YouTube. I, I, think, I think if you look up uh, uh, his first name, uh, his last name, Brzezinski, movie. And you, you go to YouTube, you'll yeah. actually is, find... Is his last name B-U-R or B-E-R? B-U-R-D. B-U-R. B-U-R. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And Brzezinski movie actually goes through all the FDA issues. Like every, It goes through everything. The Texas State Board issues. I mean, as far as I can tell, again, as a layman, I, I thought this was extremely interesting. And I was, I was hoping to get you know, you know more people talking about this because I think it, mm-hmm. if this is real... It's like someone finding the cure to age, except it's even worse because cancer is pretty prevalent in society. As yeah. as well, I'm, I'm going to reserve... pretty close to, to cured at this point. I mean, you just don't hear about people dying of it in this country. For um, HIV, yeah, it's been yeah. more like a chronic disease than a death sentence for sure because the treatments for it are getting better and better. Yeah, all I don't the time. know what's changed yeah. in that arena. I mean, I had a friend more, die. More and... drugs, better drugs that have fewer side effects, although they still do have a lot of side effects yeah. for sure. I mean, magic's still yeah. around, right? Uh, magic. Is it Mag- Magic Johnson? Oh yeah, yeah. I thought you meant like magic ill cures and <laughs> it's very. Well, any, any technology well, is sufficiently what, what advanced. advanced. Seems like so. magic. <laughs> yeah, and about this stuff. Well, about I just this. Found it to be amazing. What's that? Yeah, that that's very I interesting, Cliff. I just found this to be amazing. Yep. All right, guys. Thanks, Cliff. Yeah, I'm going to reserve my opinion for as you would until, have to. until I would find out more and and see more evidence about this, but just. You know, a, a cursory, cursory glance, I have some healthy skepticism, but I definitely think, um, regardless of this particular guy, that 
um, you know, the FDA makes it very difficult and very expensive for people to get drugs approved. And, you know, why are they approving drugs in the first place? If someone's really dying and really has no hope or options left, they really should be able to try whatever they think is in their best interest. Absolutely. I mean, there's, the, uh, you know, the, the idea that they're, I, I mean, I, it, I know that people can be bilked in their last, yes. uh, you know, time. They're on being Earth. bilked by the pharma companies right now because Indeed. of the patent What's the IP system. And, yeah. 603-435-1105, Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, 603-435-1105. Call in and talk about anything you want. We've been uh, covering the gamut here from cures to cancer to uh, religious headgear. It's hard <laughs> to know where to go. You know, Stephanie, I, you're into this medical thing. And, and when people call in and they've called in and talked about the cure for cancer. And, uh, you know, I've heard ads on the radio for, you know, can- cancer's been cured for years or whatever. And yeah. it's hard to know what to think about that yeah i mean I, I i just don't know it seems like it could be well we have to be okay here's here's my take on it we have to be really careful as people who love freedom um not to confuse our messages because it's one thing to say that people should be free to put things inside their bodies that they deem best and you own your own body and you should be able to make those decisions whether you're um using some a drug recreationally or drinking uh, you know eating whatever food you choose or you have a terminal disease and you're trying to find a cure and the FDA does has not approved any treatment or cure for that disease and so you're trying experimental treatments it's it's your life it's your body and as long as you're competent and able to make decisions, then you should be able to be the one to control it. But we we have to be really careful not to confuse that with uh, kookery, with with um, espousing any treatment that um, you know anything goes. Um, if doesn't matter if there's evidence to support it, mm-hmm. um, that you know that we shouldn't say anything is good just because it, it's alternative or it goes against the government. It, there's a lot of snake oil out there, and I think sure. we, we can, as rational people, we can look at evidence and we can compare things and say, okay, I, I'm skeptical of this, or I believe this for the for these reasons, and um, that's going to lead to me making a decision about whether to support this or not. One, uh, you know, the, the old statement, there are no atheists in foxholes, uh, kind of speaks to the way people will feel levels of desperation in certain circumstances, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I've, I've found myself in desperate circumstances in the past, um, you know, relatively recently in the past and you know the first thing that i do is i talk to god to try to fix this problem i mean you know this is the same you know this is the same christian god that i would uh, forswear in most uh, circumstances you know because i was inculcated so thoroughly in my youth with these ideas that i i, I find myself uh, going back to it mm-hmm. so i can see how somebody in a bad circumstance would uh, you know go after any uh, charlatan and their snake oil um you know, when they're in a desperate circumstance like having cancer. Yeah. And I wonder to myself, well, so placebo is a power, powerful effect. Mm-hmm. Very that- powerful. And it, it's very interesting because I've been fascinated. I have sort of a fasc- fascination with the placebo effect myself. And I've read up a lot in, about it. And interestingly enough, um, things like more expensive placebos are more effective than cheaper placebos. So really? it creates a really interesting ethical quandary. More invasive placebos, a placebo surgery yes. where they just put someone to sleep and make an incision and don't do anything inside 
compared to a and sew them back up a, a back surgery that they do uh, where they actually alter someone's back for for chronic back pain yeah. uh the you know the more invasive placebo is is extremely effective more than a pill a shot is more effective than a pill a surgery is more effective than a shot when you're talking about placebos and uh you know, <laughs> couldn't you increase the effectiveness of a placebo pill by uh, talking to the people, by making a convincing story around it? This yeah. pill is full of little soldiers that will go <laughs> and they will uh, they will they will go after the calcium deposits in your back. They will they have little pickaxes and they will you know I mean obviously well, this is a this is a ludicrous story, but a doctor but pl- could come up with a much better story that they include with words that would kind of baffle them to some extent. And oh know, yeah, well and and even. There have been even studies that have shown that when people know it's a placebo, it still works, even when they know it's a placebo. They don't have to believe in it for it to work. So it's it's amazing. And it opens up all these strange ethical questions like, you know, is it OK for a doctor to lie to a patient and give them a placebo and just tell them that it's uh, that it's a real drug and that it will I've help seen them? Dr. House do it. So it, I think- is it even a lie? I mean, because if they if even if the doctor tells the patient it's a placebo, at least for this one disease, irritable bowel syndrome that was studied, it still works, even if they tell them it's a placebo, so they don't even have to lie. Is it ethical for them to sell them that placebo? Because we know from research that more expensive more placebos effective. work better. Yeah, uh, Red placebos work better than blue. I mean, it's it's all... They do? It, yes. Yeah. It, it's very interesting. You can take the red pill like the Matrix, right? Huh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting. And- I like my pills to be black and gold. <laughs> yeah, anarchist pills. <laughs> you know, I, I, I it, it is all very interesting. You know, and this, this, obviously, I don't think you can uh, cure broken arms with placebos, but well, no, but I mean, so many things, like for instance, um, some of the things that may have more of a psychological component. Let's just say, yep. like some types of um, erectile dysfunction that's not caused by like nerve damage or um, serious blood vessel damage. Just some or physical. girl that giggled at it in the past. Well, yeah. I mean, sometimes um, placebos work extremely well for those kind of things. You give someone a pill and tell them it's Viagra and poof, problem solved, right? But is it really problem solved? Because are they really addressing the root issue or the root cause of whatever um, health problem that is? I took is? a vitamin supplement one time. It was given to me by a friend. I worked at a health, cl- um, uh, health club at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, obviously, the I wouldn't call it a vitamin, uh, you know, one na- natural a supplement? thing. Yeah, a supplement. Yeah. Uh, it was given to me by a friend who I considered an expert in this area. Yep. Um, not that he is, but just that I consider him to be. And he gave me something. I think it was called Yohimbi root or yeah. something. And I went, we were going, I was going with my girlfriend down to uh to, to Key West, and I guess he assumed that I needed this in this particular instance, as though we didn't have sex normally. I don't know, <laughs> um, but you know, he, he gave me this as a uh, like a sexual supplement, yeah. and I took it, um, you know, one evening and. I got really kind of dizzy and yeah. uh, disoriented, and we had to go back to the hotel room. <laughs> Admittedly, I was dizzy, disoriented with a stiffy, but you know, and <laughs> right. it, it, it did its little job in that area. But, well, Yohimbi actually is not a placebo. It actually has effects where it dilates the blood vessels. Yeah, and so that's why you felt dizzy because your blood pressure was lower because your all of your blood vessels were dilated, mm-hmm. and you also had, an, I guess, an erection because the blood vessels in your penis were dilated too. So I guess they would, right? Th- so it actually does have physiological effects, but that's the same mechanism of action as something like Viagra. So, um, you know, it, it's it's not a placebo, but you could envision a placebo working in that circumstance too and maybe not causing dizziness or, you know, lightheadedness or something like that. Yeah. 
So, um, you know, it's it's very interesting, and I think in yeah, society, I don't consider all natural. Um, it's certainly not uh, the, the the many you know many of these natural remedies are very effective. I mean, you can mm-hmm. watch them do things. I I gave one to my cat one time. I'm certain it wasn't a placebo effect for him because yeah. um, I had to sprinkle it on his food, and he, you know he ate it like normal, mm-hmm. and it cleared up his uh, you know his his uh, little skin problem. Some yeah. kind of bovine liver extract or something like that that was recommended by mm-hmm. my chiropractor up here. Uh, but to my wife and, and I'm like, oh yeah, Leah, let's give this to the cat because like, uh-huh. I really wanted to prove that this was nonsense. <laughs> right. <laughs> but sure enough, um, you know, the cat's skin cleared up. Yeah, that's. I mean, just because something is herbal doesn't mean that it's uh, it has no action right. or it's. it's and this is be one thing that really bugs me about the uh, the skeptics uh, out there in the world. So mm-hmm. many, um, you know, and that will call themselves skeptics. They yep. use the term to self describe. Um, you know that they tend to consider anything that isn't. Tested in the double blind by the FDA, by some governmental organization to be snake oil. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I I disagree. I think that uh, things that are effective. And whether honestly, whether they're effective because they're placebos or not, mm-hmm. I yeah. consider them to be if they're effective, then they're a good and you should do it. Well, if it is actually a placebo, it, it's good to know if something is actually having a physiological effect, if it's a drug mm-hmm. or if it's a placebo, because if it is a placebo, then I guess you would want to be able to harness the power, the healing power of placebo effect mm-hmm. in the most the least damaging way possible. So the cheapest and the. It doesn't have any side effects and, uh, you know, doesn't mess with the patient's mind and manipulate them into thinking that they're taking something that they're not, you know. And, you know, most drugs that exist today uh, are based on plants. You know, they, they yeah, originally came yeah, from sure. plants. Everybody knows the story about aspirin. It came from willow, willow bark. bark yeah. People would chew on it to get the pain-relieving properties. Metformin, one of the most famous diabetes drugs, is is from a French lilac. So, you know, plants have medicines in them. I think the beef with most skeptics is that often these nutraceuticals or these dietary supplements are not standardized. And so there's there's no way of telling how much of a medicine you're getting Agreed. or if it's actually what you are sold. Yep. So I think a, a degree of healthy skepticism about those things is OK. But we also can't assume that anything that's a plant or that's not FDA approved is uh, impotent yeah, or you can't automatically a placebo. Absolutely true. 603-435-1105. Free Talk Live's live Sunday edition. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. Give us a call at 603-435-1105. We might be able to squeeze you in here. But, uh, you know, we've talked about a lot of different things this evening. I've got one more article that I really wanted to get in and talk to you guys about. It's uh, apparently, uh, according to MSNBC.com, a U.S. drone was shot down over Iranian an Iranian nuke site. Mm-hmm. Um a U.S. drone was shot down while flying over a, new, uh, over a nuclear facility in Iran, according to reports by the Iranian media. Iran's Far News Agency reported that lawmaker Ali Akhilazad de Safari, a member of the Parliament National Security and Foreign Policy Commission, had confirmed the unmanned spy plane was flying near the Fordo nuclear enrichment plant in Qom province when it was uh, brought down by Revolutionary Guard soldiers. It did not say 
when the alleged incident happened. The safari told FARS that the drone was trying to gather information about the nuclear facility for the CIA. Well, that seems reasonable. I, I, it's a it's a reasonable way to jump conclusion to jump to. It seems to to me. Uh, FARS also said Iranian military officials had claimed to have shot down several enemy drones in January. We've experienced similar incidents many times in the past. There have been many drones belonging to the occupying Zionist regime, Israel, the United States, and Britain, which have been shot down in the Gulf, uh, Persian Gulf during the past seven years. Uh, Fars quoted a senior military official as saying at the time, other Iranian military uh, reported the same story, including Hamazayad.net. Uh, uh, so, you know, first off, I want to see a picture of the shot down drone. Mm-hmm. That's that's the first place I want to want to go with this. But what do you think it would be like here in the United States mm. if an Iranian unmanned drone was flying over, say, a, uh, you know, a, just just something like a, a nuclear power site? Oh, people would go crazy. They'd be up in arms and they'd be calling for bloodthirsty war and all kinds of. I'd Let's say they would. Iran. Yeah. I think they absolutely would be that way. And, yeah. you know, I, 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 I go back to I think it was 1987. The United States shot down an Iranian passenger jet. Um, it was okay. it had like 300 people on it um, and they shot it down with a missile. Mm hmm. They've just killed civilians. Wow. Now, no American knows this. Uh, very few Americans know I this. I didn't if, know about if, that. <laughs> if, you know, if, if you know about this, you are in the you know, 0.1% of the population. Nobody knows this. And did I mean, did did the Iranians get together with their little Muslim friends and declare jihad against the United States uh, for this? Did they, you know, go to war? No. Mm. Well, you know, I mean, this is one tenth of 9-11. It, you know, there were 3,000 people, people killed on 9-11. For some reason, Americans think it's okay that the United States, or just forgivable, or, or they should forget about it, or they don't address it in their minds. The United States does these kind of things. Mm-hmm. But when we, quote-unquote, are wronged, then we have the right to do something about it. And I'm not saying that that's not a true statement. When you're wronged, I suppose you have some kind of uh, you know rights when it comes to t- t- uh, retaliatory force. But what you need to understand is where does your retaliatory force start? If um, you know, if in this circumstance, I sus- I think that you know the Iranians would. Be- this is an act of war. Yeah, what what was the drone doing there in the first place? It, it's checking out their nuclear site because um, you know they the United States wants some kind of evidence the, the that Iran is creating a nuclear weapon. Now, at, according to the, wow. the the International Nuclear Regulatory Agency or whatever it's called, that that's not happening. That they're testing, they're looking, they're doing their best. That that's not happening. Why does Iran, one of the largest possessors of uh, of oil, want to have nuclear power? I don't know. I find it disturbing, but I know that 40 countries have nuclear weapons, and I think that the United States just doesn't like Iran, and maybe it would do better to try to get along with people it, for one for some for or one, encourage for, some trade or something like that. The United States doesn't like to get along with people that are weaker. Um, you know, when it comes to when it comes to the the ones that they're of equal strength, somehow it figures out how to get along. And I think nations say, mm-hmm. huh, you know, if we just had a nuclear weapon, the United States wouldn't treat us like uh, you know some backwater place that they can just push around. Yeah, I can see why they think that. Yeah, um, you know, so they so they make this perverse sort of incentive to nations to want to build up nuclear power. I'm not for nuclear weapons. Don't like that kind of thing. But 
I see why nations would want to do these things. And I think that it all comes down to it's all fundamentally based in jingoism. You know, the yeah. uh, it's just you know, people in That's the United a great States word. <laughs> thinking that they're better because they're from the United States, American yeah. exceptionalism and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, America, F, yeah. Right, that, that kind of thing. That, and and not jingoism. thinking about, not using critical thinking skills to consider what mm-hmm. it must be like just for a minute in some other country. Or empathy. Uh, yeah. Put yourself in someone else's shoes. We have yeah. to We have to do that. You know, there's a call coming in here. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go to it. Free Talk Live. What's your name? Hello, Free Talk Live. You're on the air. You're off the air. <laughs> and you know, I've, I've so many of these president being a presidential year. So many of these candidates are, um, you know, they're talking like this. They tend to talk like this. America is for Americans and America, 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 America. You know, and they just <laughs> great Without exceptionalism. We are the best. Uh, we kill fewer people. You know, this is nonsense. Mm-hmm. When you think about World War One, uh, there were 10 percent civilian casualties. And that. So, you know, the the German army in, in World War One, the Hun, as they were referred to, probably had casualties on the civilian side. Let's just say that they're bad. So 10 percent. We'll call them 15 percent. United States versus Iraq. Ninety eight percent civilian casualties. Who's yeah. evil here? I mean, the, the, the world's <laughs> powers, the allies called Germany absolutely evil for some evil things they did yeah. to civilians during World War One. Civilian casualties during the Iraq conflict, 98%. Who's what, about, what about dropping bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki? That's, that was all targeted at civilians. Absolutely. As far as I'm concerned, that, that act is, is, uh, you know, is comparable to the, uh, the terrorists flying airplanes into you know, the World Trade Center on 9-11. It's reprehensible for sure, and it just saddens me so much. And I tend to shy away from even thinking about, reading about, talking about war because it just it gets my heart so much. It just It's so disturbing and so sad and i just there's it i feel kind of powerless to do anything about it you know what i mean but it is important to talk about and let people know about these things it's lionized in so many ways when you you know i I think that really that saving private private ryan was the 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 movie that saved war uh you know americans didn't like war as much prior to saving private ryan what about like it all seems so worth it then when you go to a movie i mean mark you just saw the captain america movie right um, do you notice nowadays when you go to the movies before the movie plays, there's always a big like two minute promo for the military. Be all you can be. That wasn't on. No, that, that they didn't play happen. The rock this, music and yeah, they uh, did not happen in this particular movie. But I have uh, seen you know things like this in the past. Yeah. To me, it's just laughable. Um, you know that <laughs> I. I don't know why someone could give themselves over body and soul to these organizations. They must have very little no. value for their I body and soul. I can't even give them my moral Because I can support. tell you, the United States government has very little value for you as a soldier, sailor, marine, or coast guard, oh, yeah. or whatever. That's evident by their actions. Air fly boy, um, or fly girl, or fly whatever. Mm-hmm. They, they just don't care about you. The, the fact that they'll shoot you up with all kinds of drugs, they'll send you out there to catch uh, hard bullets to and take some hill that, that they give up. And say that they'll pay for your college and pay for your health care for the rest of your life, but then and those services are really not there well, in the capacity that they're promised. Right. They're not there. They're not as easy to get. They're there. But that just goes to show the disregard they have for civilians money. The, the stuff that you spend your time and your yeah. blood, sweat and tears on the government takes from you. Mm-hmm. At the threat of putting you in jail or taking your stuff or, you know, separating you from your family, doing all these horrifying things. 
and then they'll just do whatever the, they effing please with it. Yeah. And it just goes to show how much they care about you. They don't care about you. You are a freaking farm animal to them. Oh, that's yeah. it. Tax you, livestock. You, that, that's yeah. what you are. You are, a, uh, you, you are a, a, a piece of livestock that produces for them tax dollars. Yeah, they wouldn't think for a moment to treat you like a – they wouldn't think for a moment to treat you like you are a peer. You are not a peer to them. Yeah. In the same way that when I go to my house and my uh, you know, chickens or you know, the guinea cock tries to attack my foot, I kick him. Because, you know, he's he's gone after me because I don't consider him my equal. Mm-hmm. He's not. And in the same way, the government considers you to be just some piece of livestock that they own. Real quick, Free Talk Live. What's your name? My name is Eric Messino. Hey, Eric, you don't have to give your full name. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to talk about? We got about one minute. Um, girls, man. Girls? Half, yeah. the, half the population. How about women? <laughs> That's cool. Free Talk Live, 603-435. Talk about anything you want. Sorry, he, he didn't get a chance to talk about women or girls yeah. or whatever he was saying. Yeah. What can I tell you? I'm, maybe he was just inarticulate and couldn't get it out, so maybe he can call back next week. Yeah. It's kind of you. <laughs> maybe he can. <laughs> 603-435-1105 It's Free Talk Live Sunday show Give us a call next week Take a listen on Monday night It'll be Ian and Dale here with you Thanks, it's been Mark And Stephanie So I wanted to take a, a, just a brief few minutes To talk to you about Free State Now The fact is that the podcast listeners Are far more loyal and active than radio listeners. I've been doing some live reads about uh, freestatenow.com and talking to people about what it is and what we're doing. And Ian, you're here with me? I am, yes. And just want to make sure everybody knows. And so that uh, we can so that we can get the 20,000 signers the Free State Project needs in order to complete the the campaign or whatever. Now, I believe that the Free State Project is a success today everything that i imagined the free state project doing when i signed up has occurred already mm-hmm. um i just imagine people getting in government and you know sort of rolling back and that's you know there's been a what a 12 percent decrease in in the budget here in new hampshire uh, no that's not i don't think that's passed through quite yet okay well it's on its way and i suspect it's a veto proof margin as i recall okay and um also the you know folks that are into civil disobedience all these things that's fine by me i'm just saying that that's what i was imagining when i signed there up there was that knife repeal thus far I mean, so th- some things have changed yeah there've been some rolling back of government uh, but e- either way i was just thinking about getting libertarians in the office and i f- i figured at that point good things would happen and that's what's occurring so uh, what i've done is i've created free state now and free state now has actually been in existence for a little more than a year a little more than a year and it's gone through uh, you know some some shifts but uh, the current iteration is working very well i have dozens and dozens of people who've uh, agreed to sign the statement of intent Many of those people have been followed up on. There, there's some of them that are out there that have yet to be followed up on. Basically, Will Buchanan and uh, Jason Osborne and I are kind of collaborating. Jason's there consulting. Will Buchanan's, uh, you know, getting signatures and uh, preparing to get other activists. Well, trained. all right, I'm skeptical, Mark. Why is this different this time? I mean, different than you, what? You did this before, and it never went anywhere. Okay, you so made a big deal out of it, and mm-hmm. then it just poof went away. Well, first off, um, it did go away, but we got all the signers that we were supposed to get. So it worked in that 
I got the signers that I was looking for. It failed in that there was a lot of, uh, you know, the, the, the telephony that Jason Osborne has would be really great if we can get a group of six people making telephone calls, eight people, ten people making telephone calls. But it's difficult. All to, at the same time. All at right? the same time. It's difficult to coordinate those people and pay those people and do all that stuff when the donations are kind of shifty. You know, I mean, I, I the the money wasn't the the money wasn't huge, so I was concerned about doing them at different times. I wanted to do it once a week. You can't get everybody to do something once a week. They wanted to do it daily, and I didn't have the money to make that happen. So what we're doing now is basically so the old project was too big for its bridge. It was too big. Um, it was complicated with the telephony, and uh, it, the the interface with the Free State project was going poorly. So you simplified it down to where there's no more system. It's just yeah. somebody with a phone dialing numbers. Yeah, they, they make telephone calls. Plus, uh, Will Buchanan has uh, created a, a situation where he's going out, and he, we went to Boston Common several situ- uh, several times, and he gets he's getting four signers an hour. Standing Seems out there. Good. Yeah, it's really great. Um, four signers an hour. Imagine how long it would take to get the 9,000 signers we need to get to 20,000. Not too long. And if we could put somebody on every corner of Boston Common, that'd be 16 signers an hour um, in order to get this, uh, the you know, trifold signed and, and then turned in and that kind of thing. Well, it so, doesn't seem likely you're going to get 10,000 people at Boston Common, Mark. And why are you going to, you're going to focus on phone calls, though, right? Uh, phone calls and, you know, different. I, I'm willing to hire people that are out side of the geographic area mm-hmm. of New Hampshire. Imagine imagine somebody in San Diego, imagine somebody in San Francisco, somebody in uh, you know St. Louis, somebody down in Tampa. I don't care where they are as long as they're out getting signers um, and doing this. There'll, there'll be some kind of uh, oversight, but I'm not prepared to do that because the bank account isn't big enough. I can't just say, oh yeah, get some signers for me, and I'm not prepared to, to you know pay these folks. I've got uh, you know probably a couple thousand, but I need to, I need to have more to be able to prepare uh, to be prepared to pay people sounds a little unbelievable to me. I mean, the idea that uh, there would be that many liberty-minded people walking through Boston Common. Okay, I mean, uh, you know, is that I the don't, best targeting of uh, locations. I don't know. Are you talking about uh, getting signers for the Free State Project? Or are you talking yeah. about? I mean, he's not like walking up to homeless people and paying them money to sign up. Right? I don't think that's what he's doing. No, I can't imagine that's what he's doing. Okay, um, I, I I would doubt that everybody who signs up is going to move for the Free State Project. But would you we claim know that's true? What's that? We know that's true. I mean, a lot of them, 10,000 are really old names. Right, 11,000 now. And how many of those people are going to pick up and move? I don't know. To me, the Free State Project is a success today. And all the Free State Project is, sadly, is an an organization whose goal is to get 20,000 people to either click on a link in an email or to sign a trifold. Now, if we go out and personally try to, uh, you know, decide who is and who is not qualified to sign up, then what's that say about us? I mean, you had several people. You signed up several people in front of me mm-hmm. in the state of Florida. How many of those people do you realistically think are going to uh, follow the statement of intent? I don't know. Right. I don't know either. But I'm not going to say that those are. It doesn't matter, though. Right. 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 I'm not going to say those aren't legitimate signers. What matters is people moving to New Hampshire. That's what matters. And the Free State Project hitting its 20,000 is important to that. And it's also, I think the worst part about the 20,000 is people go on the Free State Project site. They take a look. 11,000. Ah, it's been 10 years. These people are failures. I'm out of here. You know, and they look at that number. The the 20,000 number needs to be completed. And that's yeah. what my goal is. My goal is to get 9,000 more people, more, less, fewer than that. But 9, so how can more, people help you with this? Then go to freestatenow.com, sign up. You can sponsor one, 
three or ten signers. I've got to pay these activists, and you know this is the kind of overhead I have. Hopefully, I can pare down the costs um, at some point in the future, but I can't do that until I have a working model. I, you know, unfortunately, early early acquirers tend to pay more for things, and that's what I need today. But this costs less. I mean, this is it's less than the, the free state project spends money on advertising, like with yep. Free Talk Live or Reason Magazine or all kinds of different areas they're advertising and trying to get liberty minded com, people yeah. in here. And when they run the numbers, it turns into about a hundred bucks per signer is what it they're is. paying in advertising money. Right, they're duplicatable sort of campaigns. That so they, if you give if you give a hundred dollars or a hundred what is it one hundred and five dollars to to Free State now, you're going to get three, three times signers. the results. If you give $100 to the Free State Project, you'll get one. Right. So you're getting three times the results from Free State now. Right. And free right State out the now, gate. And Free State now is designed to make that cheaper. That's what my goal is. I hope that that happens. So you're hoping to get it down to like 25 or something like that? I'm trying. I mean, it's yeah. it's difficult to you know make it happen. But I, you know, well, you've got to have enough to motivate the callers, too, because right. you, you can't this count on volunteers. work. Yeah. You can't count on volunteers. And it is really tough to pick up that telephone and call another person who, you know, Whatever is disaffected, what you know, they might maybe say no. Yeah, they might say no. They it's do say no. <laughs> they say no more times than they say right. yes. It's a sales job. It basically. is. So please, podcasters, I need your support. FreeStateNow.com. Go sponsor one, three, or ten signers today. Thank you. Podcasters tend to be uh, people who actually do podcasts. What do you call them? Podcast listeners? Well, uh, archive listeners. Yeah, I mean, internet listeners. Uh-huh. Internet listeners, yeah. I think, would be more all more right. accurate. All right. You, so. you folks can write in and tell me what you want to be called. Freestatenow.com. There's donation links right there at the top of the page. Mark, are you looking for callers too? Or is no, that will, I, will not right now. I, I, I feel like I need to bank a little bit in order to have the cushion because I have a lot of people that, mm-hmm. are, that, will, that claim that they'll help, right? Yeah. And my experience the last time is that, you know, I, I need to be prepared on the other side. I can get people who are willing to get signers, or willing to make telephone calls. I can get those. That's relatively easy for me to do. What I need is the money. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. Just today, that's what I need. I don't have the money. If I could write a check and make this happen and it wouldn't affect my lifestyle, I'd do it. Mm. But I can't. Well, people have to come together. I mean, it can't just be one man that, that does all this. Yeah, I wish that there was that guy that had, you know, that, that amount of money that we could pay to make that happen. And we would. But I don't have him. I, I haven't met him. So go on over to freestatenow.com and select uh, choose one or is it 10 or 5 or 10? 1, 5, 10? 1, 3, 10. 1, 3, 10. And it's 35 bucks per signer. Yep. You've already done it, right? I've done Got it. Your I, endorsement. Did, uh, I threw 500 bucks in. Yeah. Thank you. So, so there you go. Freestatenow.com. Anything else, Mark? That's it. Thank all you. All right. See you.